And we're back. I'm James. This is the Glitz Fan Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. I'm Brent. I'm James. <laughs> and this is December football for the Grizz. <laughs> how about that? James, how old were you the last time the Grizz had a home playoff game? Four years ago. Two. Whoa. Two? Crazy. <laughs> Just crazy. So this is going to be like your first big experience of a home playoff game then, right? Yeah. yeah. Are you going to paint your face? Mm. You're going to go go shirtless for the game? Paint do paint your upper body? Mm-hmm. Goes like a <laughs> crazy crazy weatherproof kid. Shave a mohawk maybe. I'm watching something on Saturday. <laughs> and he comes and finds me and he says Somebody's naked on the TV. <laughs> what are you talking about? I forget what game we were watching, but they were showing the student section. Oh. These guys had their shirts off. <laughs> I can't remember what section what it was, though. Hey, we went to the basketball game on a Friday, didn't we? Yeah. What do you think of the Grizz basketball team this year? They're okay with Josh Vasquez. Yeah, Josh Vasquez. James knows more about the freshmen on the Grizz basketball team than I do. <laughs> he he has eight, no, 23s. Whoa. 23s? Is that for real? Seriously? Yes, in all his four games. I'm going to stat check you. Wow. Um, even if that's not real. So we're watching the game, and I, it's the first game I've been to all year, but James has been to several. And Josh Vasquez checks in, and James turns to me and goes, oh, great, we've got another three-point shooter on the floor. And he was right. <laughs> yeah. And then my dad, he hit a three a few minutes later, and my dad was like, <laughs> I said, "Oh, you're right, buddy." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you said something else. What else did I say? Is it? Well, it's the first hour of the pod, so we got to be careful with what he said, right? Yeah. No profanity. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't have sworn in that moment in the Grizz basketball game, but who knows? Hey, anything else you want to tell us about? Mm. We're going to the game this weekend, right? Your first playoff game. Yeah. Go Grizz. James, who's going to win this weekend? Grizz. All right. All right. Hey, thanks, bud. So they can beat Weebo and Poppy Sack. Oh, hey, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. All right, dude. Thanks, bud. <laughs> All right. Let's get going. <laughs> so uh, the FCS playoffs are underway. We are now officially in week two. Yeah. How about that? Quick, That's exciting. Quick stat check. Vasquez is 13 for 35 shooting threes. 13 for 35. All right. Pretty dang good. Yeah. I wonder if... He has 20 rebounds. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? You need to work on your parenting, Mike. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think if, like, I wonder if coming into that game, because they've played two games since they played then, two games since. if he'd attempted 23s. Either way. Be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because he's he's putting a little pressure on Timmy Falls, and Timmy Falls is one of James' favorite yeah, players. Say, Timmy's, so, yeah. Who knows? Well, it would be interesting how James' allegiances go. <laughs> if he's more in the Brent Wahlberg school of always favor the senior or <laughs> more of the Mike Nugent, like, play whoever deserves to play school. We'll see here. Well, based upon the way he's vacillating between – the Raiders or, or the Seahawks this evening or whatever, you know. It's Listen, <laughs> he seems like a man without a code. <laughs> Speaking about the Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. A man without a code. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> Got nothing there. <laughs> um, so playoffs, I was able to watch a decent amount. I actually, one thing I will say, it's like, 
when ESPN three first started broadcasting all the playoffs, like everybody complained, yeah, because it wasn't on local TV, and, da, da, da. and it's like I get that to an extent, but when you're sitting at home watching the playoffs, nothing better than be able to watch all of them on ESPN three, yeah. yeah, 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 and they do a good job, yeah, and um. Like on my Apple TV, you could put up a grid of four on the ESPN. You could have one in the large screen, and th- and it was so. There was a point where I think I had three. I had the Badger Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Minnesota game up, and I had three playoff games going as well too. I mean, we should have great. assumed you were going to work in the Wisconsin Minnesota game. Yeah, <laughs> got Paul Bunyan's axe back. It was a great game. It was one of those go. awesome games on TV with big, heavy snowflakes. It was like the Packer game the very mm-hmm. next day, just big, heavy snow. Those games are always just a lot of fun. They are. So, yeah. Yeah, so playoffs, it was a lot of fun. Um, n- no real shockers, although, I mean, I guess there were a few. There was a couple. North um, Dakota lost, so. Yeah. that was, I think that game was marked as a pick'em or it was like a point? Yeah, I think it was a pick'em. Yeah. Good riddance, North Dakota. The only thing that that really <laughs> told me was, how did they beat the Cats? Like, the Cats team that destroyed UM two weeks ago, how did North Dakota beat them? <laughs> I don't know. I, Cats were without Ifonse and somebody else in that game too, right? Maybe. Yeah, well, I mean. I, they were without a couple of guys. Yep, yep. Um, oh, uh, the, the Johnson was out too, I think. So, missing a couple of their skill guys, but still. Yep. Um, let's just talk about a few of them. Uh, I was surprised to see Kennesaw State beat Wofford because Kennesaw has been a team where all year people have been railing against them being in the polls. Yeah. They ranked it all. Um, you know, Monmouth won that division. Some people said Kennesaw shouldn't even get in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. They beat Wofford and earned themselves a trip to Weber State. And I didn't, I didn't, I, because I'm not going to pull up Kennesaw's full press conference, but I did see that their coach was quoted and it was getting shared around Twitter a little bit that he was like, no one thought we'd be, should be in the playoffs. No one thought we'd win a game, and here we are getting ready to play another game. So, I mean, talk right. a little bit of trash, but for deservedly so. They, yeah. they beat a team that I think that they were the underdogs in, too. The banging the nobody believed in this drum is, like, super powerful. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how some coaches bang it over and over and over again for continued success. Jeff Joden. <clears throat> Good for you, bud. Um, Other games of interest. Um, This was the year that former, um, or this was the round that former foes of the Montana Grizzlies in championship games struggled. (laughs) Bad week. In the playoffs, because Furman, Furman lost to Austin Peavy. You say that with a V, right? It's P-E-A-Y, but I believe I've always heard it pronounced Peavy. Are you really supposed to say Peavy? Peavy family from... Missoula. So is it Austin P? P? There's no V in there. Well, someone's going to correct us on Twitter. What sort of pronunciation is that? I know their sports website, like, you know, we're like gogrizz.com. They're like, let's go P. Dot com. Seriously. P E A Y. Seriously. (laughs) Like, like, they got to, like, are they just owning it? Like, yeah, you know. Because nobody can understand it. I mean, it can't be P V. No, it's pronounced just like the letter P. Yeah. yeah, Austin P. Yeah, and so they're like, "Oh, go to our website. Let's go p dot com." They didn't just beat Furman; they, they beat destroyed the Furman. I think this is the first win playoff win in their program's history. And now they go to Sacramento State, and we're going to talk about the next round coming up in a little bit here. But they they got a lot of buzz after that game. That people were kind of saying they are, if there is a dark horse kind of talk, that they're a, <laughs> they're the team. Well, 42 points against Furman. I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Albany defeats Central Connecticut, so Albany earns a trip to uh, go visit Montana State. Mm-hmm. Um, Albany is also right now getting hammered with weather on the oh, East Coast. Yeah. So snow in Montana at Bozeman is not going to be a big deal. Central Connecticut State, weren't they oh. one of the ones that people felt like if they... Northeastern Conference yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. They, they were 11-1, and one, and their only loss was to Eastern Michigan by like 10 points. But then they just played a whole bunch of absolute nobody teams. They had a great offense and an amazing like a defense that just statistically jumped off the page. But obviously that that matchup of bigger FCS versus smaller <laughs> didn't work out too well. No, um, <laughs> Illinois State uh, beat uh, Southeast Missouri State. That's Semo, right? Semo, yeah, twenty four to six. Now Illinois State was one. I think they they lost a couple skill players too. Yeah, I was gonna say I heard that they've got some injuries and they still beat Semo. So now they get to go take on Central Arkansas, who is from the same conference as Sela right? Southland. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Southland sent three teams. They sent Nichols, Sela, and Central Arkansas. And credit to them, their two teams that played last week won. Won their game. So good for them. Uh, North Dakota, as we mentioned, lost to Nichols State. Nichols State twenty four six. As James asked me. What is Nichols State? <laughs> it's not even a state. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Can see how the uh, playoff time might be confusing uh, to teachers who have to then explain to students. Mike, where's the Monmouth? <laughs> <laughs> Ask your mother. <laughs> Speaking. Whoa. Well, I mean, let's just not take that too far. It was um, originally called the Francis T. Nichols Junior College. Oh. Whoever, who used to be the governor of Louisiana. Well, okay. So they're in Louisiana as well. Yeah. Huh. So like in, in 50 years, we'll have a Schweitzer State or a Bullock State playing we probably football won't. out of Montana. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's presuming a lot of things. Population Mark- growth. Football's alive as a sport. Can I get a mark? It probably assumes the world Bullock gets chosen as someone's VP candidate <laughs> and they win. <laughs> okay, what about a Mart's state? <laughs> Mart's state. Well, Mart's state flows a little bit. The Mart's state lapdogs? Um, okay, okay, come sorry, on. Sorry, I went too far. I, went, I took it one too far. <laughs> We're going to be complaining about Brent. Uh, anyway, here we go. Um, <laughs> Monmouth hasn't lost since they lost to us. They yeah. destroy Holy Cross 44-27. I mean... Outside chance they beat James Madison? I think they can. I think they're going to hang. I think they can hang. I don't think they can beat him. Yeah. I mean, if they can beat him, more power to him. But I will say their running back was legit. And looking back on that, the um, Grizz should be impressed that they held him to 60 something yards because wasn't he like the leading rusher? There, someone, I read something somewhere that he in the Division One football is the second leading rusher in terms of yards. Everybody, uh, FBS and FCS. So, interesting. Crazy. Yeah. Um, and their QB is um, above average, in my opinion. He's a he's a late-round draft prospect. Yeah. yeah. So, I will they upset James Madison? I doubt it, but I think they'll give him a game. Um, the one that I really wish would have turned out differently, UNI beat San Diego 17-3. <laughs> oh. It was 7-3 late in the third, I think. Oh, um, man. Oh, I want you and I to lose. 
You and I now goes to South Dakota State, who is minus their starting QB and their starting running, running back. back. Yeah, so you and I will eke that one out nine to seven or something. So maybe what I really want to have happen now <laughs> is I would like the Grizz to win out. <laughs> really? And, and I would like, yeah, I know, shocking news. Yeah, okay. Breaking news. And you and I, if they were to beat South Dakota State, would take on the winner of James Madison and Monmouth. Mm. So let's have you and I go upset James Madison. So. <laughs> Coach Chris Dickhead Farley can come back to Washington Grizzly Stadium and get skull pounded again by the Grizzlies. <laughs> Is that too much to ask? I like that scenario. I love it. I love it. But South Dakota State lost thirty-eight to seven, or they beat Northern Iowa thirty-eight to seven. Excuse me. With How their complement of guys, though, they had their QB and their running back. Then that was three weeks ago. Yeah, somebody got hurt. So that'd be like, say we don't have Dalton Snead and Marcus Knight. Yeah. The, the reality play is, Weaver. Northern Iowa doesn't have the offense. No. To, I mean, like, all they never year have. long, they've they just never been have. terrible. No. So, anyway, we're not talking about the round yet. Um, and then I think that leaves maybe the most interesting game of the week, uh, Southeastern Louisiana and Villanova. Yeah. So Southeastern Louisiana pulls out a point, 45-44. Let's give credit where credit's due. One of the three of us on the Grizz Fan Pod writes a scouting report. <laughs> I don't I don't know if you guys know who it is. It could be Luke. It could no, be Mike. No, probably not Brent. Probably not. Um, <laughs> I can't write good. <laughs> and I don't care about you people, so I'm not taking the time to do it. Um, so Brent is by default the uh, scouter. Um, but he said in his uh, mini scouting report mm-hmm, of this mm-hmm. game, if it comes down to an extra point, Villanova could be in trouble. And that is, in fact... Exactly. What happened in this what game? <laughs> Their kicker, like, he'd missed five or six extra points, and he was, I think, I can't remember what it was, but he's like six for 15 field goals. He's He wasn't a good kicker. Um, yeah, that game came down to a handful of interesting. Oh, very, yeah. <laughs> Did you, I don't know if you guys watched the end of it, but yeah, the yeah. coach was furious yeah. at the end of the game. The Villanova and coach. The Villanova coach. And ESPN, the, the camera was on him, oh. and he definitely dropped an F-bomb <laughs> yelling at one of the refs after the game. You, you, were good, you, didn't, you didn't even need to be a good lip reader to know <laughs> what he said. <laughs> well, break down the play. Well, so uh, it's um, the game was, it was kind of a back-and-forth game the whole way, but – the very controversial, and I don't know how much time was left. I want to say it was like less a, than a minute or a minute, like a minute, minute and a half. I mean, it was about up. I was going to say like a minute and a half. And Villanova throws a touchdown, and it is a the wide receiver, tremendous one-handed grab. But you do see in the live shot that his other arm is extended out. And mm-hmm. so the and they get flagged for an offensive pass interference. And it takes a touchdown off the board. They got to go back 10 yards, and they wind up not even – converting yep. then where they get set back and Siegler gets the ball back on a fourth down stop and that's the game and and game over and so but the the fascinating thing so it gets replayed and of course the interesting twist is the officiating crew is a big sky officiating crew <laughs> that was out there definitely but, not a crew that's worked the Grizz games the last couple <laughs> weeks but. I didn't I didn't recognize the the head ref but I don't know maybe I don't pay that much attention to it so there's like three conference white hats that I recognize and he's not one of them. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you recognize the bad ones. Maybe that's what it is. 
<clears throat> little short guy that wears the glasses uh, or something. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that was not this guy. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, we get him a lot though. We little do. short guy. Yeah. Maybe he lives in Missoula. Maybe he listens to the pod. He's Maybe like, little short guy. Kick <laughs> yeah. your ass. Um, I love him. Will. I love him. Listen, yeah. <laughs> Luke is a fan. Oh, he's here this week. No, uh, but so, but in the video replay, it was one of these ones where it looks like it could have gone either way. For me, at that moment to flag that, you'd feel like it would have to be pretty egregious. Some people said if you watch it, you, you watch the replay, it, it definitely looks like he extends fast. But like you were saying to me, Mike, like the, the reaction after the touchdown by the corners, like they, what was it? They 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 weren't even upset. I, like the, like they were like calling for a flag. They were, they, it was like they were defeated. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's it's one of those things where. On the replay, you could it it is pass interference. Like he pushes off of him clearly. The question comes in of like, if that is not really called all year, why is it called right well, there? <laughs> and you know, for anyone who's ever played like pickup basketball, you know, a ref blows a foul and you're just like you kind of look at, you know, the guy who fouled you and you you roll your eyes together, right? Like the opposing <laughs> players who apparently were interfered with, they didn't seem to care. <laughs> it means it probably didn't matter. Like it wasn't substantial enough to where they thought it affected the play. Yeah. It was the circus catch, like dun 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 dun. Yeah. Like if you make Except that catch, cheated. <laughs> cheater, pass <laughs> <That's> interference. <laughs> I just think you all you side in those big moments with the more exciting outcome, and the more exciting outcome is a one-handed touchdown. Do catch. you know who disagrees with you? Who? Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> <laughs> who dat? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, that's a lot of. I would. I, I would. I would not like to be a ref. I mean. It's Holy cow, that's a tough job. And it's like you only get noticed when you mess up. Or like we joked about earlier, it's like I knew I know one of the refs and he did one of the games and I was all ready to like give him a hard time the next time I saw him about how he messed up the call. Then I went and rewatched it. It's like, oh, yeah, I was wrong. And so was everybody around me. And we're like, oh, giving him hell. Ugh, that so, would be a rough job. I have a total side note, like complete redirection from this when we get back to this. But did that you never see, happens on Did this you podcast. see this shared screen capture from a Michigan fan board after they got thumped by Ohio State? Uh-uh. Headline for Michigan. We are, the, we are a beacon of greatness in a sea of cheaters and bag men. And the t we all know about other teams have their refs and recruits on the take, yet we field with pure recruits and coaches who play the right way in a program that sets the standard for greatness in a league of cheaters. Never forget we are the leaders and the best. That is a Michigan fan take after getting their ass kicked. Well, I mean, they are Michigan men. You know, there's something special about a Michigan man. You just talk about cheaters. I, like, tweeted this out because it's just, like, this amazingly just, oh, my God. But talk about cheating and stuff that just popped into my head. Anyways, sorry. Yeah, Totally took that Funny. on a tangent, but just <laughs> bizarre. But but anyway, so I mean, anyways, that, to call yes. that late in the game, and you got to have that's. I mean, and but you know what? If the ref, <clears throat> the ref thought it was egregious enough to call it, you can't argue that it's not by the letter of the law a penalty. Well, so he did push. I mean, he did push. Yeah, he pushed. So. Here's here's the thing where you say it didn't affect the game. It's because there was a minute thirty one left, and. Villanova was down a point, right? So they could have still recovered, 
got into field goal range. Yeah. And had a shot to win this. And and that's definitely the the, the one side of it <clears throat> where Sela would have had the ball back with a minute 30 and nobody was stopping anybody in that fourth quarter. So, yeah. I mean, it's tough to justify. Be like, well, we would have scored on you beach anyways, but yeah. yeah, the that drive wasn't over for Vill- Villanova. They still that was a first down. They still had a chance to score, and then of course you give Sela an opportunity to score. I don't even care if it's a minute. They they're a threat. Indeed, Which I think we'll talk about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll, yes. we'll we'll save that because yeah. Um, th- here's a topic for for right now though because we're still yeah, talking about the first round it. of games. Going back and forth throughout the game, I was trying to determine who I would rather face. <laughs> and my biggest takeaway was they both have things, both teams have things that scare the hell out of me. But I actually would have much rather faced Villanova. And this is going to surprise Brent because his Q, their QB was great. So uh, Villanova's QB, people were comparing to. Jordan Johnson a little bit, just mobile, kind of looked the same in his throwing motion, could gunsling it out there a little bit. Um, he was good. I think he had some bouts of inaccuracy. My thing, and I've kind of talked about this all year, is the reason I actually might have preferred to f- face Villanova rather than Southeast Louisiana, which we can talk about, is I think Villanova was more of a traditional mm. offense, mm-hmm. and we do better against traditional offenses. When the offense isn't, your standard traditional pro style or whatever, if you will, or standard RPO, we struggle. So that was my only thought. Daniel Smith, the Villanova QB, looked pretty good. Four touchdowns, almost 400 yards passing. So these Louisiana guy put up over 400 yards. I mean, they had over 500 yards of offense. I know. I'm just saying that I feel like you're you are sort of picking your poison. Yeah, I was going to say six and one, half a dozen <clears throat> in the other. I thought the thing that you were going to say, Mike, was that both quarterbacks appeared to be able to throw on the run, rolling out right and left even. Yeah. Like, I, I saw both quarterbacks rolling out to their offside yeah. and still make accurate throws to the sideline. And I was like, oh, my, my dear I may God. be jaded, but I just went southeastern Louisiana – Ran that wildcat and scored a touchdown. I was just like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> like, and you know they've looked at the cat tape. They've got guys that can stretch the field. They've got a patient running back. We better figure out our zone stopping on the run. I, anyway, and yeah, it's, we'll get it's, more to this. You're game, you're but, not wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I I remember kind of initially when I looked at this, I thought. I would rather face southeastern Louisiana as well, which I guess it's what we get, so we'll see how it goes. But I, I think that's a real good point, especially once we saw a little bit more of what their offense is because there's a <laughs> it brings up a lot of bad memories of two specific games, Cat game and Sac State game, that we've seen a lot of. So, yeah. yeah. Um, anything else about week one of the playoffs? We'll get into the next round in a little bit, but anything else about week one? Good. All right. Um, let's talk a little bit about Big Sky Conference Awards and um, kind of how that shaped up. Yeah. Well, so let's see here. So the Big Sky Awards, we, of course, I, I'd say the <clears throat> the big highlight of the, the, the large award. Well, we had two. We had two Grizz make uh, some of the, the top awards. The top awards, yep. Uh, Dante Olson, Defensive Player of the Year, shared. With Jonah Williams, because, you know, Big Sky voters. Whatever, this is the Big Sky conference. He can just claim it as his own. You don't have to acknowledge the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and, uh, and then, of course, Marcus Knight, 
newcomer of the year, which seemed like a slam dunk. I mean, if you don't give it to the guy that scores 20, what, one touchdowns? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who you're giving it to. <laughs> so, I mean, good for them. And, of course, you know, Dante is now moving on to that the realm of the Buck Buchanan where he took – didn't he – was he runner-up last year or the, was he, he third? he was third last year. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. But he also accepted an event to the Shrine Bowl. Yep. And I will say um, that Sam Herter from Hero Sports was at the Cat Grizz game in Bozeman, and he had to be right up. Um, kills me anyway. But one <laughs> thing he did talk about was he's like, it was a treat to watch Dante Olson play, and he's a legit yeah. NFL player. He was emphatic about, yeah. like, it was like, matter of fact. Yeah. It's a treat to watch him. He's going to the NFL. I think, yeah, he he shared his 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 ballot, and he has Dante first, and he just his side to side side to side speed and his just ability to play. Um, yeah, all the more reason there's you have no excuse not to be at this playoff game this weekend. <laughs> Could be Dante Olson's last game in Washington Grizzly Stadium. Go watch the best linebacker to ever play at UM. Yeah. And think about that, guys. That's saying yep. a lot. That's saying We've a had lot. some good ones. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Outside, So, first team offense, we had uh, two guys. We had Samori Toure and Jerry Louis McGee as a punt returner. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this before we started the show. It's interesting because what they they share unanimous selections. And there was only two, I believe, as it shows on the offense side, that were unanimous. And that's Zach Larson, a lineman from Southern Utah. And Jerry Louis McGee as a punt returner. I like it. So, um, let's talk about Ture for a second. I mean, how happy are you for him? Oh yeah. I just he's come on so strong in the last half of the season after Kem got hurt, and he's been great all year. It's just he's been kind of overshadowed by Kem. Mm-hmm. But you and I, Brent, have talked about this quite a bit over the last couple of years, where we actually going in last year thought that Ture was going to be the one to explode, and then Kem kind of figured it out and stepped up and. I'm just pumped for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a point as well, too, where we didn't think – we thought it was going to go the other way, that, that Toure might leave because after last year, just not being that great of a year. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> credit the kid. I mean, he, he he's had an amazing year. And I'm happy for him, and I'm happy we have him for another year as well, yeah, too. Well-deserved. <laughs> well-deserved. It's And I'm pumped we have him for another year, and it's like – it's a good reminder to everybody that it's like the season is, you know, 11 or in this case, 12 games long and every game matters in some of this stuff. And I think that there were some Grizz fans after what happened in Bozeman that were just over this team and it was the end of the world. And it's like, how could, and it's like, it's a reminder of like, he destroyed the big side conference the second half of the season, destroyed them. So, so pumped for him. And I mean, even in, even in losses, he had big games. Yep. And that's like, that's just that, that true show of greatness where sometimes you'll see really good players disappear in in big law lo- in, in bad losses or bad games and oh Dante never did. <laughs> <laughs> so my beer was shook up. <laughs> oh did that happen? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm glad I opened it under the table. Why don't you tell them what we're drinking as long as you're uh, yeah, oh. why don't you do that? We've got the bluff charge. From Flathead Lake and Big Sorry, Fork. Mike. <laughs> it's a pale ale. One of six are always shooken up. Yeah. <laughs> and Brent opens it and it sounds like someone's pissing on the floor. And it's like I would have blamed that on Huck. <laughs> Huck <laughs> I'm surprised Huck, Huck didn't pop up. <laughs> Huck's like, I only want stuff dropped on the floor that I could eat. 
<laughs> One of my favorite parts of this podcast is trying to pick a new like Montana beer every week. Keep this near me. It's nice work. Oh, um, now I smell like beer. Well, you know. It could be worse. I mean, the, the dining room probably going to smell like beer, too. And then Stacy's going to ask me about it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a lot of scapegoats here, Mike. I know. I will don't blame it on Brent. I mean, it's not like it's a surprise to her. It's like, oh, somebody spilled a beer. I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, a good um, point. So, moving on. Yeah. Oh, uh, so moving defensive side, first team, uh, Dante and Jason. Dante is the only unanimous selection, which should be. Which but, you know, but But the one thing I will say about unanimous, unanimous selections is to be a unanimous selection, you have to get coaches who didn't see you play yeah. to vote for you. And vote for you first team. Yeah. So it's like there are there's a couple of coaches. Like we haven't played Northern Colorado in two years, right? Right. So it's right. like Ernest Collins. I assume he got a vote before he got fired. I don't know. God bless him. Um, God bless him. Um, you know, it's like he had to vote for Dante Olsen without ever seeing him play linebacker. That's true. So that's all just film and, and word of mouth. So that's pretty cool. Um, the other cool thing you mentioned was they put Jace Lewis on first team. Yes. And um, pretty cool because you will often see like a trade-off. Like, oh, Dante is unanimous, so we're going to. Right. And the one example I can think of, 2011, we had Tremaine Johnson and uh, Houston Roots, and we had the two best starting corners, but it was kind of this thing, and Roots got knocked down to second team. So, I mean, just sometimes you get these little things where it just seems Which like... Which is crazy, yeah. because Roots, like, nobody wanted to throw at Johnson. So Roots so had they, to guard everybody. Yeah, so Roots had to guard everybody. I feel like he had, like, three or four interceptions. Yeah, I mean, he and, I mean, stepped up. Huge. <laughs> Good season, and then he gets second team. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's the way it goes. Um, I do like Knight getting the the um, newcomer of the year. One thing I wanted to mention on that switch switch back, and I, I looked at the Missouri Valley Conference awards, and the North Dakota State QB won freshman of the year and newcomer of the year. And I was under the impression, oh. like, isn't the newcomer of the year for people who aren't freshmen? Like, why would you have the same? Like, why would you have two awards? <laughs> it doesn't a, make any sense. To me. That's a good question. Yeah. So I'm just pointing out that sometimes conferences other than the big sky screw things up. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, let's see. Second team, uh, you know, we saw Sammy Akem get second team. Yep. Which testament to him for missing the last three games. Yeah. Uh, and then Conlon Beaver and Cy Sermon on the O-line make second team. I was really happy to see Cy Sermon get that nod. Yeah. I mean, for a guy that switch positions to help the team. I mean, you got to like repeatedly like that repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard on the O-line. You have to be smart. Like it's not easy just to pick that up. Did you know I played center when I played football? Smart. Smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 that's what I, you know, Mike, my friend, the smart one. Yeah. That's what, I <laughs> there we go. That's, that's what people say. Uh, let's see. Defensively, both Jesse Sims and Robbie Houck make second team. Okay. So, right there. So, uh, and then third team offense, Marcus Knight, Angel Villanueva. And then I believe we have the defensive back, yes, Josh Sandry on the defensive side. And then I saw Dalton Sneed gets an honorable mention at QB. And I don't know if there was any other Grizz honorable you, mentions. There weren't, no. You no. Can't, in my opinion, though, you can't argue with that. I or mean, Dalton, yeah. Dalton missed... 
two and a half games. Yes. And look at the QBs above him. I mean, I, I just, it's like some people were on Twitter kind of saying he got screwed. And, uh, you know, you've heard us really heap praise on Dalton several times in this, but I mean, it's like he got hurt and he hasn't been quite the same since he got back. So it's like, I don't know how you put him above those other guys no, it's, for awards. It's a good conference. Yeah. You got to play. It's a, all the games, it seems. And it's a big conference. And that's the other challenge. If like we were still an eight or nine team conference, I, he'd probably still, he'd make a team most likely just because. I just wonder, yeah. and, and you could go a lot of different ways because we finished with the sixth seed and obviously things are still great, but yeah. if he doesn't get hurt in that sack game, what does the rest of his season look like? Mm. Because if he doesn't get hurt, our offense is different. You know, we talked about this last week in the cat game. It's like it's not yeah. the same offense with him not being able to, mm-hmm. you know. To take to, off. Yeah. He's so agile when he's healthy. Um, and I think him being able to make plays on his feet – gives him like an emotional confidence and emotional momentum that amplifies other parts of his game. But you can kind of tell he doesn't want to run if he, unless he has to, or when the pressure's closing in, he'll just tuck the ball. Yeah. Um, That's not the Don or that's not the Dalton Sneed that we've seen. Yeah. Up until the second. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, nod to him because I think people know what type of player he is, but I do feel bad for him because I think if he hadn't gotten hurt, we're talking about a little bit different for him. I mean, he's in the Walter Payton conversation. Yep. Yep. Um, did you guys, I, I, I mean, I don't, I didn't really pick this apart real heavy, but, and I, I've seen a lot of people posting this, you know, it really doesn't mean a, a whole lot, although it is a nice recognition of your accomplishment through the season. Any snubs, any, any, especially first team, you know, placements, Malik, Malik flowers, like I don't know. I mean, I he I know he didn't have a ton of in know, conference in conference stats, but it's because his average was still as good as anybody in conference. He just didn't kick to him. They were kicking the ball out of bounds all the time. Or they were kicking to yeah whoever else was anybody on the field. else. <laughs> and we recognize this, you know, with cornerbacks like Tremaine Johnson had the ball thrown to him six times all year is is last year (laughs) up until the playoffs and then he picked (laughs) off like six balls in the playoffs um but if you're gonna throw away from a cornerback and acknowledge it's because of their skill i think it should transfer that if you're kicking away from malik flowers it means he's pretty stinking good yeah yeah. so i kind of thought that was a snub um, I think a reverse snub is how does a Cal Poly receiver end up on first team? Yeah, yeah. Like, did, were his stats amazing? Like, he I, had 800 I mean, yards and seven touchdowns. I mean, huh? <laughs> I mean, is, is he the is he the only player? Did like their coach trade in <laughs> all of his chips? He's like, I will quit. No, they had an O line guy make second team. See, they, that makes they, more they, sense. They had to a me. full uh, Zui, so Zui Tran Sampson who like. If you listen to any of the Big Sky Big Takes, like Zoe Trent Sampson, the fullback, was taken every single week because he's just a money guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets second team um, on offense. Let's see. Let's see. Looking through the list. That look, looks like Cal Poly's got a third team linebacker, Shotwell. Must be the brother of the Shotwell that won the Buchanan a few years ago, right? So um, Decent chance. Probably, right? <laughs> So yeah, that's about it. But yeah, this JJ Koski that surprised me because then you look go to, and you look at these second team offense wide receivers, and you have Brandon Porter who was a sophomore at NAU who I think was right behind Samori in terms mm-hmm. of yards and production. You had Sammy Akem, and then you had Jeff Cotton with Idaho, who Ooh. a lot of people said Jeff Cotton is the best damn receiver in terms of just total skill and ability on the field in the conference. Wow. And he gets second team. 
I didn't say that, but yeah, a lot of people. I am. Um, a lot of people are talking about it. Blake. A lot of people. A are lot of people. I'm hearing it everywhere I go. Um, <laughs> it, the, the other <laughs> thing that doesn't make sense to me is, is like I get it if like Cal Poly went like eight and two, you know, in I, I, they're terrible. Like, what? <laughs> and they're it's a triple no option sense. team, and it's like half of his yards had to come when people caught him off guard. Like, oh, they're not going to throw. Oh crap. <laughs> he completed that one pass. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they do next year with the new coach. Me too. I think it was our buddy uh, Mike. You know the the smartest Mike friend of I have. Um, oh boy, <laughs> <no. laughs> who was he talking about? How he was a fan of some team and they ran like the option for year, decades and they got a new coach nebraska no um it was what georgia no. tech right it's georgia tech yeah because georgia tech um the guy who coached georgia southern then went to tech no he went in between he was at army right? that's right yep so they've ran this option forever and in spring ball you know everyone's kind of interested to see what the new coach is going to run yeah and the the new coach comes out in like the option look, and apparently you can hear fans almost audibly like groan, like "Oh God, we're doing this again!" And then the quarterback audibles into a regular formation. <laughs> they run a play, and everyone cheers. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and I hope Cal Poly does something like that. Oh God, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's I, yeah. Or they could go with the spread. Yeah, the fly sweep offense. They. Yeah, you know, someone in the <laughs> which isn't a real offense, yeah. <laughs> which isn't the true definition of a type of offense. But um, I, I think it's gonna be interesting. I, I actually, is it? Are we at the point where we want to talk about the job openings? Let's do it. Yeah. About? So obviously, nothing has happened since we told you guys last week. You know that Cal Poly and Northern Colorado are open. Um, but one interesting thing happened is um, Bob mm. Stitt is not going, not retained He's at unemployed. Texas State. He is unemployed. What? Timing. Um, interesting. But I'm hearing a little bit that it's almost zero chance that he ends up in Northern Colorado. What do you think about that? I think the man's a very good interview. I think his resume now has some uh, some pockmarks on it, but I think that he would probably be the best coach that they've had. Mm-hmm. Right, like, I don't know. I don't know. I think you know he, he's going to get an interview for sure. Is what I would guess if he if he applies. And from what I hear, he's he's applying. I, I mean, it seems like he would absolutely apply. But I, uh, who knows? Um, I actually think if I'm Cal Poly, I give Bob Sid a call. And the reason I do, I hear me out. Okay, hear me out. Cal Poly recruits an interesting type of athlete. High academic standards. California, they probably can put, they probably can fill their whole roster from um, California. From the area. Yep. Um, a lot of in-state students. A lot of in-state students. And um, that is similar to where that Bob Stitt coached previously. Colorado School of the Mines. Colorado School of Mines. Yeah, high academic standards. So you can just get a bunch of guys fit your system, fall into some offensive linemen. I'm just saying if you wanted to shake things up and go away from the triple option, you've got a winning record in the big sky. You have to give Stitt 
some credit, he recruited some talented offensive players to the University of Montana. But I almost wonder, like, you know, you hear, and, and you, you can't ever know this because it's protected information, mm-hmm. um, FERPA protected, but the scholarship distribution was kind of a hot-button issue you heard as, like, an undercurrent between his defensive coordinators. You mean because we had 35 wide receivers on scholarship? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't know if that's a formula for success. I don't think it is. No. You got to wonder, what was what what was he thinking? Was he going to cut some of them? Like, uh, uh, Anyway, I want to make a correction on the fly because Paul Johnson was the coach, and it is absolutely not Army. It was Navy, and I do not want to be in trouble with our friend Mike who's still very proudly serving his country. Paul Johnson coached <laughs> at Navy, not to be confused with Army. So I just want to clarify that everybody who is an Army fan is an Army fan, and everybody who's a Navy fan is a Navy fan, and we are not conflating the two. <laughs> there we go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It'll be interesting. But honestly, if, if Stid is for whatever reason, not a candidate in Northern Colorado. Is that really a good move by their athletic director? It's like, who are they going to get? We'll have to see, but... I I mean, it's like... It it, seems like it'd be a decent option. I was going to say, that seems like as big a hire as you could possibly hope to make at Northern Colorado, right? One would think, but... I mean, if he goes to Northern Colorado and doesn't find success... Do we retroactively look at like the deci- the decision to hire him here as maybe like the worst head coaching decisions of the I don't last think it's 40 the years? worst head coaching decision in the last forty years because there you look at the back in the history and there's some bad coaches pre Don Reed. We used to run the option here. And they're wishbone. <laughs> um, okay. But it's one that more and more looks like maybe it didn't make sense. And and Brent and I have talked about this. Like, I really like Bob Stitt. He's a nice guy, or he was in every interaction I had with mm-hmm. him. Yes. Um, I just, I think that he came from a school where he didn't have to be the cheerleader to the boosters, and he didn't have to listen. He could just sit in his offense and draw plays and coach football. And I think that that was a struggle for him. And I also think that he suffered a little bit from not adapting his offense. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he even even his third year here, it, when it was clear that the Big Sky Conference coaches kind of knew what we were doing, it never changed. Right. So um, I guess the question becomes, the two years since he's been here, he's made one-year stops at two different places. He hasn't done much to show the world that he got a raw deal being let go here. So what do you sell in that interview? I, if you hear people talk about him, he is a wizard on the chalkboard, right? Like he can talk about what he's going to do and how it's going to work, and it's dazzling. Mm-hmm. Like apparently one of the best X's and O's dudes there is where the where the rubber hits the road or where that has to you know hit reality is teaching skills, and I'm not sure that he has the demonstrated ability to do that. But I, I think he'd probably is a savant when it comes to like X's and O's understands it, but then won't put it in practice in his offense. It's interesting. Um, but back to your original question about where does the coaching hire rank? I mean, there are other candidates in that pool. 
Jay Hill, one of them. Exactly. You know, think about that. Bieber, he was in that pool. Yep. I think that. I, I don't Bobby think Huck. that there's a chance that Kent Haslam could have sold Jay Hill to our fan base, though. I mean, it's like we have to be realistic. It's like we can't hear. We've got the benefit of hindsight to be right, like, right, oh, right, yeah, right. you should have hired Jay Hill. It's like we would have been like, who the hell is Jay Hill? Who is this guy? Yeah. Where was he before? He was like an assistant at one of the like Utah, Utah schools, right? Yeah. yeah so, um, <laughs> And then early on, because Delaney announced before the cat game. Yeah. So early on, Lance Leopold, who was at like D2 expressed interest. And he was also a wizard in Wisconsin, but they, they wanted to go through the process. And by the time the process finished, he had been hired by Buffalo and he has turned them around. So, I mean, there were other interesting people available then, but I think hindsight's 2020 because at the time, a lot of us were kind of excited about Stitt. Yeah. In fact, in fact, if you go back into my Twitter profiles, I actually think that I introduced Bob Stitt to Kent Haslam on Twitter. Um, So I'm sorry, everybody, or you're welcome. I don't know how you want to look at this. You're like patient. You're like Grizz fan zero. Yeah. I mean, I just, there was an era there where I was just very frustrated with the very end of the uh, Delaney era. And I started searching for our new head coach. To me, it's like when like the Bulls drafted Jay Williams in like 02, Mm -hmm. I think, and didn't get Amari Sottlemyre. Like that's jails are Amari Stottlemyre. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we uh, <laughs> we're talking about awards, and then we shifted <laughs> kind of big sky notes. Um, the only other thing of interest I think that's quasi big sky related, although not really, is Chris Peterson at UW stepped down today, and his defensive coordinator Lake, former Eastern, former Eastern player, coached a year at MSU, played at Eastern for. Um, Kramer oh. um, is the new head coach. He takes over. So he was the D coordinator. So there is an opening at D coordinator. Now, there's a guy still on that staff. Like, I can never remember his name. It's like Kia Wawa. He was, he was Bobcat's defensive coordinator under Kramer. Oh. Um, and has been UW's defensive coordinator. And then he went into a different role so this guy could do it. So he may come back and be the D coordinator. What about Jeff Choate? Well, Mike, that's <laughs> are you are you nervous if you're a Bobcat fan? No, because I'm arrogant enough to think that the MSU head coaching job is better than the Washington defensive coordinator position, and because fans would feel the same way, but uh, for both, it's probably not. Yeah. Do you think there's a pay differential? I think that he'd probably <laughs> double his pay. Plus, so Jeff Cho gets the call, and it's like, "Hey, come double your pay, be a coordinator, like less responsibility, less heat. You get to focus on the thing you're good at. Mm-hmm. You have already been here. You you understand the fabric of of the Washington Huskies. Why do you say no? Because I'm building something in Montana State." See, this is tough because for me as a Grizz fan, I don't want him to leave because I want us to beat him. I don't want the Cat fans to have this like arrow where they can be like, if Chota never left, he was 4-0 against you guys, and we would have had a streak. I want to beat him. <sighs> yeah, me too. Dude. I mean, yeah, I want to I mean, beat yeah. him. <laughs> I just don't know why he says no if he gets the opportunity. I don't know how you could. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you could. Because I think, you know, ultimately we all know our strengths and weaknesses. I don't think Choate can develop an offense. And, you know, as a Grizz fan, I'm pretty excited to play one-dimensional offense for 
they're a one-dimensional team. Although, why? Because it's really worked out well for us in his four-year tenure. It has. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> so it has. Great. So great. And I could go. So we, we could go great. through all those games, and I could talk about why. Was that every single one of them? I think we could have won almost all of them, but except this last, except one. This last one. Yeah. That, thank you. Seventy-five percent of them. <laughs> of them. <laughs> um, but I, I think that he probably knows deep down in places he doesn't like to talk about at parties that. <laughs> He probably can't be a national championship winner at this level without developing a quarterback. Well, the other thing he probably knows is, A, there's a precedence for this. Bo Baldwin, who won a national championship at Eastern Washington, left to be a Pac-12 coordinator. Not a head coach, Pac-12 coordinator. But two, look at every Big Sky coach who has moved on to a bigger job. I mean, Bobby Houck, say what you want. I mean, he was a national title contender every year, almost every year in his first first round. I mean, they played in three straight national championship games, or two straight. Two, two. Went and to three. Went, went to, to three. three. And he couldn't get anything better than UNLV. And UNLV is where coaches go to die. I mean, they just fired their post-Bobby Houck coach this week. Yeah, It's where coaches go to... And cash now, some checks. Now Jay, yeah. Jay Hill is back. rumored to be. <laughs> but he'd be crazy to take it. So it's like if, if Choate has aspirations of being a head coach in the Pac-12, then his better route is to be a, a D coordinator in the Coordinator first. So it's like, to answer your question of could he turn it down? No. I don't see how he possibly could. No. Unless no. he wants to be at MSU for 20 years. Luke, I do want to correct one thing. So Jeff Choate doubling his pay. Jimmy Lake in 2017 was earning $650,000. In 2018, it jumped to $1.1 million, and this year it was $1.5, with the next year to go to $1.7 million. He is the highest paid co- coordinator in the Pac-12. So Washington now, obviously Choate knew Now, come in had. at $1.5 million, but you got to think he'd come in at like 800000 I mean, if he came in at seven eight hundred thousand, that's... That's that's triple to quadruple his pay. Eight hundred thousand bucks don't have to be the primary recruiter or, or booster person or whatever. Just focus years, on focus the, on the thing you're good at. Yeah. For eight hundred k. I mean, I I don't think it's going to happen, but interesting. Oh, you know, he's got. Does he have kids? I assume he's got kids. I don't know. There's. Yeah, I think he's got a kid on the Bobcats. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, there is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Man, that's. That's hard to turn down, man. We will see. Eight hundred k go be the DC if the team you left from, and he still has a lot of connections there. Yeah, and he could always come back to MSU, right? That's the thing I mean, is he's he like could. this. I mean, this seat's always open. Also been set for that. It's worked. Yeah, <laughs> you flame out and you don't work, then uh, you can always come back. <laughs> well, um, it, it, you know, it's interesting. I, I just think that coaching the the way the coaching Holy world is so shit. connected. What if Bob Stitt went to MSU? <laughs> <laughs> Bob Stitt's not going to MSU. <laughs> brought Gresh Jensen oh, with him. No. <laughs> oh man, this would, it would be like a, it would be like professional wrestling drama. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that behind the curtain? It's Bob Stitt. Oh my god, lordy lordy. <laughs> Um, anyway, interesting just because UW has all kinds of connections to the MSU program. I mean, MSU yeah. is like the AAA affiliate 
only you can only send down you can't bring up but I mean, there's a lot of UW transfers on on MSU there so. are there are anyway um anything else on kind of big site conference news of notes interest things like that no I think we're good good here all right let's shift to the second round of the playoffs we'll obviously do the Grizz game last so let's talk about everything else um First, yeah, and we'll do the cats second to last. So perfect. Um, Nichols State. What were you about to say? Yeah, I was going to start with that game. Yep. Nichols State uh, beat North Dakota and earned the illustrious <laughs> honor that we were all hoping not to get, which was travel to Fargo and take on North Dakota State. So I guess my question is going to be, how soon is that game over? <laughs> Man, you just can't bet against NDSU, right? Until, until they've somebody, been dethroned. Yep, until somebody shows that they can do it. A lot of times NDSU in the playoffs just does kind of a slow and sluggish thing. So it's like they kind of win their games like 28 to 6 or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I was looking at this, like the point spread, NDSU is favored by 28. Nichols could maybe cover. They're not going to win. But I don't know. I haven't watched a single NDSU game this this year, though. So. Tough to say. I'm trying to think if Nickel State has, like, I mean, they beat Sela. They did. Right at the so, end of the game, Sela, their they're big, uh, well, big Wildcat QB fumbled on the goal line. We'll probably talk about that a little <laughs> bit, but I'm trying to think of signature wins that they have. You know, they, you know, they beat North Dakota. Um, they beat Incarnate Word. This team's okay. Yeah. I mean, North Dakota State's going to win that, right? Of course, Nichols got the the main highlight for their visitor locker rooms, which were tents. <laughs> North Dakota had to stand, but it worked. So on um, the Montana Sports Podcast last week, um, Hot Take Nate and Bear Tycoon had a debate over my position on move up, <coughs> which I found interesting. <laughs> I don't really know how that came up. Um, I am not someone who wants to just move up to the FBS in the current system and play for the Potato Bowl. Like that doesn't sound interesting to me. But I would love it if college football reorganized and we could end up with people who I consider our peers and get away from playing in a tournament with Nickel State, who doesn't even have a visitors' locker room. I mean, they Agreed. had tents. They had tents. Agreed. Yeah, or, so. or you know, opposing teams. You go to a away game and you can't get the stream. You know, remember mm-hmm. Cal Poly? Yep. Last and year, where the camera cameras was just f- like. Yep. Someone had to go drop a twosie and just left the camera pointed yeah. at the wrong end of the field. They'll be down there for a while. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, you know, it drives me nuts. Um, all right. Next game. Central Arkansas, the eight seed hosting Illinois State. So some people didn't think Central Arkansas should be seeded. Yeah. Illinois State has some injuries. This could be an interesting game. Yeah, I yeah. don't really know enough about either one of them to pick it. I really don't either. And it's it's the one of the ones is has the narrowest point spread in the game in in of this week. It's a Central Arkansas is a two point favorite. Okay, so it's usually you have to defer well, to two our points guy. at home. We, means you'd have to neutral defer, field. They're yeah, losing. Uh, isn't isn't usually your field three, give you three points? Yeah. yeah, so that's definitely an assumption that in a neutral site or otherwise that. Uh, Central Arkansas would not be favored. So um, I don't know enough. I haven't watched either of these teams. I think Illinois State, I'm trying to remember if they're the ones that have a former Grizz coach, Travis Kneekamp, or if it was uh, a different one. I think it's Illinois State where Kneekamp is. So 
Uh, you got a former Grizz uh, coach there, so uh, maybe <laughs> allegedly. Maybe so going for them. I don't know. They're 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 playing for to be the sacrificial lamb in Fargo the next week. Yes, so I mean, here's the thing: they yeah. played Sela and got shut out. 34-0. And that was that was I mean if you said what's Sela's signature win which I know we'll get into um they they blanked them it at in their house. So quite a statement. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't mean, blanked them 31 nothing. I wouldn't bet on a team that got blanked at home. So anyway, I yeah. Mike, okay, 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 okay. Now Mike's beer and my beer, which came out of Mike's fridge. Mike Mike went to the refrigerator to get the old uh, Sawtooth Ridge Golden Ale from Bitterroot. This is good. We are almost two full seasons into this pod, and we have (laughs) never had a beer spill issue. We got three. Yeah, (laughs) and your dog growled again. I don't know what you guys are doing over here. I haven't spilled one Luke beer. It's like you guys are amateurs. Yeah. Oh, well, <clears throat> Sawtooth's Ridge. It's going to smell interesting in here in the morning. Yes, it is. It's going to smell like a frat house in here. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, I don't know. Yeah. Go Illinois State. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, I see, the point totals, if I'm reading this right, is 38 and a half for the over under. That's super low. That is really low <laughs> so well wow. i think they're expecting uh central arkansas to score no points so. <laughs> <laughs> well you guys are gonna score zero so. <laughs> so next up uh uni at south dakota state mentioned it earlier what is the line on that game so that game uh san diego san diego south dakota state is favored by seven and a half and the over-under is 39.5. So the over-under is one point higher than the Illinois State-UCA game, which is crazy because neither of these teams currently have an offense. But, yeah. It's um, going to be interesting to watch. I mean, it's really going to come down to if South Dakota State's backup QB is competent, you yeah. got to think they can beat UNI at home. Yeah. Outside, right? They play outside. Mm-hmm. So dumb team's going to have to probably play in some marginally adverse weather. Um, and you and I just doesn't have an offense. I just yeah, but we need them to win, right? Yeah, I mean, that's my my See, scenario. I didn't want Putting them to your get purple. in, but now that they're in, I want them to keep winning. <laughs> yeah, until they have to play us. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, next up, Monmouth and James Madison. This one's interesting. Uh, JMU opens as a twenty-three point favorite to ten and two Monmouth. And yeah, I Monmouth's ability to score makes me feel like you know you're at least bet against the spread there. I would think so because I remember I remember after that Grizz game, people were frustrated, especially me being one of them, that it felt like we had no pass rush at that point. It was mm-hmm. early in the season. We didn't we didn't have guys like Patrick O'Connell and Babros and Mamula. They had not kind of grown into what they'd become. And a lot of people were saying Jahar, Kenji Johar, the QB, QB yeah. he was like, he was getting hit and, and just on the money and the pressure. And I was like, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. I just kind of wrote it off as like, we should have beat these guys by more or whatever. Um, JMU has two defensive linemen on the Buck Buchanan finalist list, two. And uh, so 
that's what they're going to face. But if he could do it, it'll be interesting to see because they're going to, he's going to be under pressure, but they are, they're a diverse offense. They, they have one of the highest, uh, their passing yards per game are really similar to Montana. They have one of the, the better, uh, offenses statistically in the conference. They, they beat Kennesaw state. They took it to Holy cross, which I don't know if that would means a whole lot, but so, and they've won, 10, 10, 9 in a row, 9 in a row, 10 in a row, something like they, that. They haven't, I mean, lost since, yeah. <laughs> they haven't lost since they lost to us in September. So I think that's a game where I'll bet they I'll bet they beat the spread. I don't think they'll beat JMU, but I'd love it if they did. That'd be amazing. Give them some hell. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really a betting man, but I, I bet you Monmouth beats the spread. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up... Austin P. Let's go P. Austin P. Uh, at Sacramento State. I, what I think what this comes down to is is Thompson healthy because he's played two games since he got hurt and they won, but he didn't like blow the doors off anybody. Yeah. So if he's healthy, I don't see them struggling this game. No, I don't either. Especially rested and yeah. Sac State's got a mean defense. I think, I think you take the under on any spread just because. I I, I just I think the Big Sky Conference's um, calling card is their physical brand of football, and Sac State's physical. I think yep. they're going to be able to neutralize any. It's so interesting that you say that because I would say all four of the Big Sky Conference playoff teams are physical teams. Yes. But that, for so many years in this decade, has not been the case. It's you been know, the finesse teams. Yeah, like they, Eastern's they, never been considered a phys, physical team when they've gone and played you know, other places. So it's just a testament to the change in the Big Side Conference this year. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Well, like we said before, Austin P. Um, getting some press for being the dark horse, maybe, but they are currently 13-point underdogs. Yeah, so uh, Vegas does not think so. But uh, yeah, and here's I don't know I don't know anything about them, and so Sacks had time to rest. Kevin Thompson should be healthy. See, this is what I, I love just, about the playoffs, and I feel like they got the bracket pretty good this year. Is there's all these matchups of people that have never played each other. It's some, like that's what well, I love about the playoffs. There was something like that where it was um, the amount of teams that haven't met. It was like what we've got eight games, and I think it was like five or six have never played each other. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at like the second, you know, Austin P. They won their conference. They were seven and one, ten and three overall. Um, finished they, oh, ten and three because they won a game. It was like they played thirteen games. Yep, yeah, yeah. Sorry. ten and two. I'm caught. They, up. Yep. Um, they have a six game win streak. But the second best team in their league is Southeast Missouri. Simo, 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 who just got trounced. Simo was the Bobcats' signature win before. They beat the Grizz. Yeah, and but I mean, I don't know if that conference is actually good. It certainly isn't deep. No. So I don't know that either Austin P or Simo is battle tested. I can tell you what, Sac State, they're battle tested. Yes, yes, indeed. they are. <laughs> so, you know, they've come out on the other side of that. Uh, Tested. Yeah, so I just I don't see Sac State having trouble. Zero zero either. reason to bet against. No, Sac. me neither. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kennesaw State at Weber State. 
Yeah. Well, here we go. So Weber State got the the pick. They got a, the two option teams, Wofford and Kennesaw State, and they get Kennesaw. So, I mean, you I, never know what the option. It's a wild card. Yeah. They've played – Weber played Cal Poly very early, and Poly put some yards up on him. But that was Cal Poly still at full strength and usually – But the flip side is Weber's played an option team this year, so it's like mm-hmm. they had time to adjust, figure it out. Indeed. Um, I'll just – I'm going into this thinking that Kennesaw just doesn't have the guys on defense, and I don't think Weber's offense is that good, but if they don't have good defense – I mean, I think Weaver will win this game. I think they will too with the rest. I, I, I'd be fun if they didn't. But oh, it'd be so fun. Weaver, Weaver's a nine and a half point favorite. And yeah, I, I, yeah, Kennesaw having to play Wofford. It seems like especially right defensively when you go up against triple option teams, especially your your front is usually a lot more beat up from the amount of getting your feet cut out from under you. So. Weaver's probably going to make a lot of make a lot of money on the ground. Would be my guess. Probably make, win the game there. Be interesting to see. Um, and then, last but not not least, Southeastern Louisiana at Montana. Grizzly, maybe Montana no, State. I'm missing one. Yeah, maybe Montana State. Because I, I did Montana State out of order to do them before second to last, <laughs> and then of course. So yeah, Albany at Montana State. MSU nine point favorite. So, Montana Parlay on the Montana Mint podcast is has been on a two-week wine and bitch fest about how the Grizz got an easier draw in the playoffs. And I keep trying to explain me, to you how brackets work. Give me Albany I mean, any day over SEMO. Albany any day. I mean, I, I watched that Albany game. Like, I, Montana State should not struggle with them at all. Yeah. But it would be a highlight of Choate's first two years, first three years, honestly, to put it all out there against the Grizz and then fall flat the next week. (laughs) Is this the best MSU team Choate's had? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they should win this game. They They will. They absolutely should. I think they will. I mean, anything less than a win from MSU is disgraceful. (laughs) Let's set the bar really high. A fireable offense. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, it would really play into the whole they only care about beating the Grizz narrative that they got all offended about. It, it w- I don't think it's going to happen, but no. the reaction would be fascinating from the Cat fan base because their fan base, a lot of their more astute fans are moving beyond this, we just need to beat the Grizz to, and I, I think Hero Sports had an article about Montana State and, and that they could be perennial contenders if they keep building. And so... Can yeah drop this game? Is it just gonna be like, well, we beat the Grizz, so good season? I would imagine a lot would not say that. I think a lot would be disappointed. But mm. yeah, I, until they run up against a supremely talented team, I, I mean, which could be the next round against Sac State. But you know, you've got to fight fire with fire with this MSU team. Mm-hmm. You got to have a strong D line. You got to have a strong O line. I don't think Albany has that. Sac State does, um, which I think they'll see in the next round. But Montana State is 
going to win this game. Yeah. They've got they've got more talent. They've got more physicality. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they've got Troy Anderson back or if he's out for the year. Because mm-hmm. that was kind of the unknown when he missed the Cat Grizz game was, is he out for the year or was it just a precautionary thing? Or not precautionary, but like he needs to heal up. Right. I almost think you would just wait and see if you actually need him in this game. I definitely would. Which is what I kind of thought they and, were going to do against us. Yeah. I, I actually really thought he was going to parachute into the field. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Where's Troy Anderson? Where's Troy? Who's and that in the sky? And he it comes was going to be like a third and short, and he was going to parachute <laughs> in. But they only have 10 men. And then in comes Troy, and he's going to like hits the ground and uses the momentum to like spring over the line <laughs> and stop a ball carrier in the back. I thought that's what was going to happen. <laughs> that's what it felt like. <laughs> and then they didn't need him. And then it turns out they oh, just said, pack it up. <laughs> um, Cancel the helicopter, quick. <laughs> <laughs> now, last but not least, Southeastern Louisiana at Montana. Man, I'm nervous, guys. I'm really nervous. Like, really nervous. Here's why... Here's, like, when I when I vacillate, when I'm all, I'm all over the map on this, but when I think that we could make some noise in this game. Like the, the optimist in me says we've had a week off, which we, I think desperately needed. I think this team has been riddled with injuries, which isn't an excuse. It's just a fact of this game. Uh, the deeper you go, the more likely you are to suffer critical injuries. We've yep. been injured. Mm-hmm. So this week off, I hope is rejuvenating. Um, I think we are a super physical team. Yep. It's hard to to remind yourself of that after that MSU game. But MSU is also super physical. They were. Right? Like yeah. it's it's hard to tell how hard someone's punching in a heavyweight fight cuz they both both fighters throw hard punches, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um I think our conference is stronger. Like I mentioned Sac State being battle tested. UM is battle tested. Um, I think those things, which are critical for football, um, are going to matter, and so that's that's how I talk myself into this game. Yeah, I, I'm really glad that we got the week off. I think if we were hosting CMO last week, I think it probably wouldn't have gone really well, just because rough loss, another quick week to prep. And maybe some guys that we don't know their their health status for the game. So I'm the Grizz deserved they they earned that <clears throat> bye week the week off. But yeah, this game's gonna be tough because they're gonna pull that cat film, they're gonna pull that sack film, and then they're probably gonna compare it to like the Weber film and the Idaho film and say, okay, power teams. Power-ish, power, you know, stronger teams or teams that do, like, it, it didn't, like, Weber. Traditional it, offenses. It did not work. Yeah. Idaho, it did not work. Look, and look what Sacramento did. Look what Montana State did. This this is our recipe for success. Mm-hmm. The flip side is I would think and hope that our coaching staff and our players have had two weeks to reflect and build and know. I, these guys aren't dumb, right? They're going to – they're going to know that the, what they've put on film 
from both the Sacramento and especially the Montana State game is where teams are going to attack us. We've heard that directly before, and you see that all across the place where um, – I noticed this being being a Packers fan, and the, the, you'll see one week where you get beat on a special play, and then the next week that team tries to run it on you again. So I would think the Grizzly defense, especially defense, and the offense, and some of their issues that they had as well too. But they're going to be they're going to be hopefully preparing to punch against what's most definitely coming their way. Good. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think that that we'd be fools to think that. People aren't going to watch that cat film and replicate some of that. I mean, so hopefully we've hopefully we've worked on that because I watched them. And it's like I said, I I would have preferred Villanova just because I think Villanova was more traditional <laughs> offense. These guys scare me. Like they've got they've got two drop down quarterbacks. They have like what did Coach Houck say at, at QB Club? Like twenty. One contributors the, who are transfers. Twenty one, tra- twenty or twenty one transfers on the two deep, and thirty five total transfers on the roster. They're a transfer heavy school. So I mean, they've got they've got players. And they've got a running back who could easily do to us what a couple of the cat guys did last week if we don't figure it out. And their quarterbacks. I mean, like I don't even know why they bring the other guy in. He looks like a big oaf. Um, but their 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 main guy, their main guy, is a dude. I mean, he is a legit QB. Where do you play? Uh, Fresno Fresno State. Fresno State. So here's here. I don't know how much is on that cat film because essentially Mm. the entire second half was them just steamrolling us. (laughs) I don't think you know watching the Sela game. I don't think they've got the offensive line that the Cats do. That's the one area where I am um, hopeful. I think that the Grizz can win this in the trenches. Yeah, and sure, they're going to have to. They're going to pull out some tomfoolery for mm-hmm. sure because they're going to see you know the first essentially six drives of the Cats or the first half of the Cats, mm-hmm. right? They're going to pull that film and they're going to see, wow, we can make these guys try to move laterally and they have a hard time maybe reading this, but two things that misdirection stuff is a hell of a lot easier if you're winning the trenches and then the second thing is what better of a warm-up game for your playoff matchup than seeing that against the cats like brent said we're our coaches are smart our players are smart they've had two weeks they've They've had two weeks they're like hey guys like if we see this again in the playoffs this is how you defend against it this Mm -hmm. is all the places you messed up here are the fixes. Here are where you're supposed to be. I think our, I think our defense will be better positioned to stop that kind of offense this time around, with the addition of us being uh, more effective in the trenches. Mm-hmm. The difference is the downfield threat. Yeah. yeah Whereas cats, the cats have no downfield threat. These guys have it. That's. But I think that's an easier thing to defend against because it defending against the downfield threat means like you got to stay at home, which is actually beneficial to reading these sort of like mm-hmm. misdirection plays. Yep. So it plays into our hands. Whereas like if you're just getting your butts kicked in the trenches, your safeties, your linebackers, they've got to commit sooner than they would probably like to. But that's not the problem here. Mm-hmm. Like, 
it's going to force them to be patient that they have a downfield threat. Well, that's 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 Sela is passing for 345 yards a game. Yeah, I mean they're they legit. threw for 504 against their, Villanova. Their biggest issue is turnovers, which we can talk about. But I mean, if the Grizz don't hit the QB often this game, I think they lose. Like I, I, I agree. I agree. The Grizz have to get to the QB and disrupt the offense. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's. The, we we have to what we noticed it, I think it even happened in the Villanova game but Southeast Louisiana is negative four turnover margin on the season and they're all, and they're only they'd be negative they'd be much larger but they had a game where they played Abilene Christian, who I think that's who it was, who was a god awful football team this year, um, and they grabbed six interceptions. Yeah, you better get some towels for opening that beer. <laughs> hang on, hang on, moment I'm of going truth. In. Going in for another round. Going in. We'll see. Just get ready to. <laughs> oh, here it comes! Oh, here it comes! Hey! <laughs> What did you do? It's because he got cocky. I he did. looked at us and was like, you guys are suckers. And then it starts I coming. Did. It's like the bottle that slowly I, opens. I, I don't know. Cracked the can. Nothing happened. I looked up at these guys with a <laughs> smug look. The reality is that Luke brings a ton of beer every week and we don't finish it all. So I told him not to bring as much this week so that we could go through some of the beer I've built up. <laughs> Mike was just shaking and, up all these beers. Um, like, yeah, apparently this... Uh, I'm gonna get you, bitch. What if this was James? <laughs> <laughs> He's smart enough to be evil like this. Oh no! <laughs> You're gonna have to oh, watch no. that kid. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, okay, so but uh, Southeastern Louisiana. So they are negative four in the season, and they had one game where they were they were plus six, and I think they had another one where they were plus five. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, they are usually negative on their turnover differential. They put the ball on the ground a lot. A lot. Um, their QBs have thrown pick. The starters thrown 10 or 11 interceptions. He threw a pick six against uh, Villanova. No, the backup guy threw a pick six. Oh, it was the backup. Was That's the what I'm saying. Guy. I don't okay. know why they ever put him in. And so they, they're they a team that makes mistakes. And I think it was a fascinating observation. And I don't know if it necessarily means much of anything. But it seems like Simo really likes to kind of like hot dog and show off and mm-hmm. really celebrate mm-hmm. and um they're having fun but it's kind of fascinating as you watch especially Hulk run type teams where there was a point where he didn't want Sammy Akem to do his first down celebration point correct so uh just a very a big difference in culture Simo definitely fed off of it and and, and not Simo Sila Sila not Simo Simo's out of the playoffs. Sorry, Sela. Uh, Southeast Louisiana. Maybe we'll just say Potato the Lions. Potato. Let's say the Lions. The Lions. The Lions. But this is a team that makes that make has big plays and has big mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think a physical team is going to have success against them. I think that QB get, is going to get hit a lot. He's going to fumble a lot. We got to jump on the ball because <laughs> we saw we forced. Two consecutive fumbles two, <laughs> two weeks yeah, ago, yeah. and we didn't. Now bad bounce. It's the way it goes. But if the Grizz can take some opportunities, and again though, as Villanova showed, 
Villanova, I think I can't remember now. I know they had a, they had the pick six, but didn't they grab a fumble as well too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, in the second half. Mm-hmm. So, and I can't remember if Villanova had a turnover, but so Sela was negative two. If that's the case. And they won the damn game. So turnover differential helps, but in one of these, in some of these games like this, it's not going to be everything. What I see with this team is that they never believe that they're down. Like they scored thirty-one points in the second half. They were down 31-14 at the half. Mm-hmm. I, I I went full skip Bayless and I tweeted at the halftime and I was like, "Let's prep for Nova. Here we go." And then everyone tweeted at me, "Oh, this age twelve. Yeah, we noticed. Oh. We they, noticed that. Brent. They've had a few games this year where they have. Boat raced the team in the second half to edge out a victory. They're a second half team, a lot like the Grizz. So and they're freaking dynamic. But this, I mean, this could be the type of team that you know, uh, like you said, a hyper physical uh, team matches up well with, and maybe the little Bobby Ball strategy. Like if we can grind out some six minute, seven minute drives in the second half, as long as they end with touchdowns. Sure. Okay. Sure. Um. I think this game is going to go one of two ways. <laughs> I think it's either going to be these guys are not going to be awed by the surroundings or a bunch of other things that we'll talk about in a couple minutes, and they show up, and it's a shootout. Yeah, like last week. That's a complete toss-up. Or it's going to be a we know in the first 10 minutes these guys don't know what they've gotten into. The Big Sky is just better than the conference, so these guys look better because they haven't played anybody like the Big Sky, mm-hmm. and they're done. Um, their coach talked today. I mean, he had the, they had the press conference. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's downplaying it or not, but he said some things that stood out to me a little bit. Um, he They've talked about the head to They've practiced silent and verbal counts, but they don't expect to have to use them this weekend, which to hmm. me is like... Interesting. Grizzly Athletics should get that on a clip and play it on the video board, except the NCAA doesn't let you in these things. Um, says the Grizz are a big play team. Um, trying to prep that the game's sold out, which to me, it's not. It so it We've won't never be. sold out a playoff game. So it's like, I, I wonder if this guy's not playing the room a little bit. <laughs> Um, it, it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're an they're an offense that that's going to be very challenging. So they have. So what we've talked about a little bit. They've got two QBs. They've got this. Um, what's his number? Um, number nine. Number nine's the main guy, Jason Virgil, who he can sling the ball. He, good accuracy on his passes, but he can run too. Not a run first QB, but definitely has the ability to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they bring in this, uh, what's the guy? Uh, number 15, Cole Kelly. Kelly. <coughs> Excuse me. He's, uh, what is he? He's like 6'7", 270, and he transferred from Arkansas or Yeah, somewhere? he's, I mean. It's... <laughs> what, would he play tight end there or something? Uh, <laughs> but he just comes in and bulldozes, and I think he bulldozed at least one touchdown yep, in, he did. in that game. So, but he also, I, I noticed he also has 10 touchdown passes. So this is going to be a thing where he's going to be a guy like they come in on the 10 and it's like, okay, heavy personnel, you know, two corners, one safety, and everyone else, D-line linebackers, go, go, go. And then he's going to take a step and he's going to jump pass and toss it to a tight end. 
with six seven. He doesn't need to jump. He just needs to throw it. So there's a lot of aspects to their game that is going to be very challenging for a Grizzly defense that has gotten itself in trouble over committing and getting beat and burned on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, their running back, Devontae Williams, is he's their leading rusher. Um, but this guy is this guy's Elijah Dotson is what he is. He's yeah. sacks he's sack states type of guy. Five hundred sixty five rushing yards, eight on the ground, five hundred and forty four receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns. In that Nova game, he took a wildcat snap and ran it in for a touchdown. Um, I think he's thrown a few passes. He's fielded punts. He's taken kicks. This I makes mean, me nervous. <laughs> I'm just, I, guys, this makes me nervous. And uh, he's the, the tough thing. Like the only real true game film, I, I guess. Of course, QB Club. We we get a we get a the virtue of watching a little bit. But the only like, GoGrizz.com/slash/QBClub. Join it. <laughs> the only extensive game film we've seen of him was this game against Villanova, and I've got to say, Villanova's linebackers defensive ends and secondary was maybe the absolute worst bad group in terms of tackling mm-hmm. and assignment. I mean, they were so horribly yep. inept. Yep. And so, but they were young. I think they were starting three true freshmen in their secondary. Which goes back to the whole conversation <laughs> of like, <laughs> have they really played anybody? Like, it's like the Grizzlies may not have the best defense for the big sky. Yeah. But has Sealer really played, you know, a team of a this team caliber? Of yeah, I don't know. Have they pl- li- have they lined up against a Jace, Hol- Jace Lewis and Dante Olson? No, I mean <laughs> probably not. No, they, they haven't. Their their biggest win of the season. I. Um, it was. Uh, it, they beat Jacksonville State in no, week one. Central Arkansas and Jacksonville State. When ja- Jacksonville State at that point was six in the nation, they lost enough games that they fell all the way out. But yeah. And they're bananas if they think that Wagres won't be a factor for them. I, I sure as hell hope it is. Yeah. And so the the factors, the crowd, the crowd noise. They 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 played at Ole Miss this year and lost Ole Miss by just eleven, but Ole Miss just their coach just quit. And it's like, well, next year we open with Central Washington, or our fans gonna be that amped for Central Washington. It's no. just no, I you can just tell don't, you no. You just don't get up for those type of games. If they need so. to do a special fundraiser to buy them out, I might contribute. <laughs> they pl- yeah, they played against ten thousand people against Nichols State. And that was that wherever, was in wherever that is. That was in their state. That was at there that was a home game. Yep. Yeah. So they're not used to this. They're not. You know, here's the thing though. The- but neither was Coastal Carolina. And that's that's the whole like the noise and the cold arguments. Coastal Carolina is the counter argument to that because they came in here and got job done. Yeah, yeah. If, if Grizz fans are going to hang their hat on that, if that's the first thing they lead with, is like we're going to win this game. It's going to be cold. They're from the south. You're like, uh, you better come up with a better reason to convince yeah. me, like because that's that's not going to be enough. But it, I think there'll be factors. It'll yep. be a factor. I wish it was colder that day. We'll see what happens. What's, what are we expecting? Like upper 30s. Yeah, I was going to say like 36, something like that. So the furthest. 1 p.m. kickoff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be like the warm part of the day. <laughs> it's going to snow the night before, maybe. I want that night game. Yeah. Well, never know maybe. what happens next. Kennesaw week. State beats Weaver. Yep. But 
they, you know, the other things with them, they're, they're defensive ends. They've got two D ends, I believe, both transfers. Number 91 mm-hmm. has 16 tackles for a loss and seven and a half sacks. So that's good. Number 45 has 14 and a half tackles for a loss and six sacks. Both those guys. Are, <laughs> both those guys are um, guys that are. Uh, Six one six two two fifty two forty. So we really need our O line to step up. So that's going to be our tackles are going to be dealing with stronger. They're not. They're, I mean, they're not. They're not two twenty two thirty, but it's going to be bigger guys. So that edge is going to be tough. That's going to be a tough spot. Shotguns, quick passes, tempo, 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 fly sweep. Yeah. So um, <laughs> they've got they've got a, they've got some pretty good safety and a couple good corners as well. Well, one corner that's got some picks and some stuff, but the rest of their secondary, as we kind of saw against Villanova, they tend to get beat a lot. What's up, Luke? You're like frowning at know, this computer. I just don't. Am I talking you out of a win here? No, you're actually talking me into this one. I'm looking at their, <laughs> I'm looking at their games. Like all these tackle. I mean, you're right. We, the Grizz, need to come correct every game from here on out. And if we don't do that, worse, we're in trouble. I'm trying to help Britain figure out how to open the beer. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. I'm like. We didn't. I'm looking at their tackle for loss numbers. A bunch of them came against Houston Baptist, Northwest State, Northwestern State. Like, we don't play teams like that crappy, you know, especially this no, year. No, they, they undoubtedly come from a weaker conference. They're racking up stats that we're getting intimidated by because they play Abilene Christian. Like, yeah. And that's exactly it. It's like this paper thing. It's like. Paper they, tiger thing. Yeah. Do they look good because of who they've played? I think there's a little little of that. But I'm not going to be satisfied if we rest on that. Like Again, we, the Grizz have to come correct. Yeah. No, they do. Um, man, I don't know, Luke. I don't know. The, if we can move the ball on them early – I'm not going to be concerned. I'm thinking that they have showed a propensity to turn the ball over. I think we're going to be able to move the ball. And I think if they give us some turnovers and we move the ball, we're going to control the clock. I know Bobby said it doesn't really the clock doesn't really matter when in like this contemporary football era cuz teams can score so quickly. Mm-hmm. But I think Bobby knows how to manage a clock. And, I mean, the argument would be that it matters for your defense. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they're out there a lot. I don't know, Luke, what do you think? Like, what's your what's your prediction? We're at that point. Well, what I see is that they're averaging 37.3 points a game throughout the season. That includes non-conference schedule. I think the Grizz are going to have to score 35 points to win. I think our defense is going to be better than what they're used to seeing. So they're going to score below their average. I think it's going to be cold. You know, I think some of those things factor in. Um, but I, I don't think our defense is good enough. I don't know that any defense is good enough to blank these guys. 
No. I mean, that would be incredible, right? So I, I think they're going to score some points, but I think uh, I think we're going to win 35-28. Brent? I was going to say the lowest amount of points that they scored was 21 against Incarnate Word. They put 34 up in a loss to McNeese, and they scored 29 on I mean, Ole Miss. Lost McNeese. 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 And Incarnate. Both. I, yeah. But in those games, yeah. In those games, uh, they had a lot of turnovers. I think it was, was it the McNeese game? No. Incarnate Word. Four interceptions and two lost fumbles and a turnover on downs. Wow. <laughs> so, so basically we can rattle them. I think that's... The- you can rattle them. And so my prediction, I think... I think this is going to be a higher scoring game. I were they've they've won big games on the road. I I think Washington Grizzly Stadium is will be a bit of a challenge. I think I think you're you're just dumb to think that cold weather is not going to be a problem at all. Yes, it was an issue. Coastal Carolina overcame it, but for a while. But it's real. I mean, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And so the people that roll their eyes and snort, oh, you you think the cold weather is going to win the game for you, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's going to win the game for us, but I think there's going to be moments of key drops. And then especially if the Grizz can get things rolling, you get in the fourth quarter and the running game's going, that cold weather is going to feel extra cold because you just want to get the hell off. (laughs) You want to get the hell out of there and go home. Uh, My projection is, though, I think this game's going to be close. And as an interesting observation that was shared to me by um, um, a former client and friend, his name's Keegan, the Grizz have not played a game within 14 points. At all. blown out or been clobbered. Yeah. So I think this one's going to be a close one. And so this is going to be a fascinating thing to test our team and some of our guys that have not played in a game where it's close with five minutes to go. But I'm saying Grizz win. And Luke, I'm with you on the Grizz points. I have Grizz winning 38 to 34. Four point win. Mike, before you jump in, I want to share an observation that my buddy Rob Rob Mill made. <clears throat> he goes, "Did you guys notice at the Sela game that they gave their coach a Gatorade bath?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> goes, Imagine if Bobby got a Gatorade bath after an opening round playoff win. <laughs> And he goes, Grizz by 30. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So here's what I think. I think if the Grizz win, it's going to be because they took away Sela's will to play early. And it'll be one of those games where they destroy it. I have a bad feeling about this game. I think the Grizz are going to lose. Oh. I can't tell you what the score is. I just don't feel good about this. Wow. You're hmm. uneasy. I'm very uneasy. There was a dark cloud over you at QB Club. You I'd, were you were like outward. You were. I've been I've been worried about them since I saw them run that damn wildcat. <laughs> Michael, your your juju is calling causing all of this beer to spill. It could be. That's why this beer is pouring everywhere. I just I mean, I'd love to be wrong, and if if they if the Grizz can punch them in the mouth early, then I think the Grizz can win, and I'll love every second of it. The Grizz are beat up to hell. They just got their pride knocked. How do you respond to that? This team's got a ton of offensive talent. Mm. Are they a paper tiger? 
guess we'll find out. Wow. We should have started with you. Now I'm all sad. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hey, we're uh, recording on Monday, so maybe I'll feel differently on Friday. I don't know. I want, I want you, listeners I, I to... I won't put it in an easy clip that everyone can dunk on you about later, okay? My only thing on the clips, <laughs> Britain, is just... If we're going to do a clip, just do the straight 35 seconds so people have context. That, that thing only allowed me a minute, so I had to like shorten it you up. Chopped a bunch of pieces out there and put me out there on the world. Mike Nugent, why do you hate Bobby Houck? I, well, that, that conversation went a lot of places. <laughs> Brent, you, or Luke, you look shocked that I don't think the Grizz are going to win. Listen, I, I, need some, I need some positive reinforcement here. So I want all you GFPers to tweet at us. Especially um, at Mike and tell him he's wrong. At GrizzFanPod, why Mike is wrong. <laughs> Hashtag why Mike is wrong. <laughs> Hashtag why Mike is wrong. Yes, that's brilliant. I'm tweet that right now. <laughs> yep. I want to know why Mike is wrong. I need some positive reinforcement. And tweet us your score prediction. I like it. And I will tell you how I feel each day of the week. But I just, I, I can't help it, guys. I got to trust my gut because I didn't trust my gut two weeks ago. I got to trust it. And I don't know if it's just I'm burned. And has, has your dad ever brought less candy to a game because he thought maybe we wouldn't score as much <laughs> points? No, he's over brought candy thinking we'd score extra, and that's never worked out. So he's now pretty much standard in his amount. Okay. Yeah. I think Is he I getting candy our, back in? Oh, yeah. Everything's, everything's Although, good after the first game? Yeah, but it's like my mother has to go drop it off during the weekdays, and every time they complain about it, and they're like, we don't want to deal with this. And it's like, well, you guys changed the rules. Drop it off? Yeah. they got to take it into the athletic department. you got to pre-screen it? Yeah. If you take it in by Did, Thursday, they take it into the stadium, then you have to pick it up. What? I have a better idea, Mike. How about you get the candy here, and I'll take it, because I'm there every day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I can save your mom that some... actually... <laughs> I can save your mom some steps. We are... At one of our last games of the year. We should have thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad. Your mom's a sweet lady. <laughs> she, she needs more me time. Um, anything else on <laughs> anything else on this topic? I've, I've, I'm good. Yep, let's move on. I really want the Grizz to win, guys. That's not what Mike said. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike... Mike dunks on Bobby Houck. Oh, my God. Now Mike dunks on the Grizz. If this becomes a he thing. He dunked on True earlier this year. really pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, this is like, Lord. Man, I thought I was going to be the heel of this podcast, but it turns out it's Mike. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you really are the Skip Bayless of this now, huh? No, no, no. That's not accurate. <laughs> Hashtag Skip Nugent. <laughs> Skip. We all know I'm. Yeah, I'm the Skip Bayless on Twitter. I have the worst takes. <clears throat> well, uh, let's see. We got some questions. Should we hop into those? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. You got anything up in front of you? Or are you are yeah, you I've got. I'm um, right in front of me. Why so. don't you hop through those? I'll pull up Twitter. U of M man one one two two says, "What is going on with Justin Calhoun in the last two games? He was shutting receivers down all season until the Weber game." I think, and we've talked about this on here a little bit, I think what's going on with Justin Calhoun is more of our scheme. Like, I think our scheme is keep let those guys get that stuff in front of you. I mean, at least part of it. I also think he's getting picked on a little bit. 
Well, I think you make a good point, though, because the Weber game and the Cat game, Cat game, not as much as I think we would have liked, but the defensive plan was more one-on-one man coverage. We're not going to give help over the top. That's, I assume that's going to change for this game this weekend because of just how dynamic their offense is, I would hope. My God. But so one-on-one situations and, and Calhoun and Nash who are – I mean, we've said this plenty of times. Give these guys credit for converting from wide receiver – and being on their second year starting as corners, but these are guys, they're doing their damn best. They're kind of thrust into positions and playing out of necessity. So mm-hmm. you're, you're putting them in a spot where there's going to be more of a spotlight for errors, and I don't think it's, oh, Calhoun's bad now and was great then. I think it was, I've... I'm going to just take a guess that a corner probably really likes playing football a lot more when he knows he's got a safety behind him more often than mm-hmm. not than when he's sitting on a damn just can't take chances. <laughs> yeah. So, and especially that Weber game, you could just tell it was like 10 yards off. And if he runs up 10, turns around, catches it, great, just tackle him. Right? And so yeah. then everyone's like, oh, Calhoun, oh, what's he doing? He's giving up all this. It's like that's that was his job. So, I, I actually think he's done a pretty dang good job. You – when you fail at that position, everyone notices. You know, it's kind of like um, you hear offensive linemen talk about this a lot. Yeah. Because when they fail, it's obvious and they get blamed. But when the defensive end fails, you never notice, right? Like, yeah. it's like if the DN succeeds once a game, he's an all pro. Hey, that guy got a sack. Yeah. You know, like, you know <laughs> yep. what I mean? Yep. Same thing. Like, when the cornerback fails, it's pretty obvious who messed it up. I've seen Calhoun in the Cat game, in the Weaver Weber game, yeah. make dang good plays. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think due to the scheme, he gets a lot of balls thrown at him because that's where you want to throw the ball is one-on-one coverage. Right. Um, I'm not, I haven't been disappointed with Calhoun. I don't think he has been our biggest liability. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Curtis Michael asks, which first-round team, in the pod's opinion, has the best chance of knocking off a seeded team on Saturday? And as a follow-up, what percentage of the pod's participants have their holiday decorations up already? (laughs) You can see my Christmas tree from the pod uh, table here. So um, I'm up. My exterior lights were up two weeks before Thanksgiving, but not on. Did not turn them on. I don't understand why. Spread happiness. Black Friday. Spread happiness. Mine aren't up. <laughs> Listen, Will they ever be up? I'm unmarried. <laughs> Your girlfriend lives in another town right now. Yeah. You're not decorating. I'm not she's house. not gonna be back here till after Christmas. Like <laughs> I'm burning zero calories, dudes. Come on. <laughs> I like it. Um, first round team's best chance to upset a seated team. I think that it's either Illinois State or Northern Iowa. I think those are probably your two best shots for an upset. Yeah. I'd agree, generally. For some reason, I keep... Maybe I'm just buying the hype for Austin P. And Sac State, first-time playoffs, coaching staff with limited playoff experience. I think Sac State is tremendously better, presumably, than Austin P. But that would be a game where it wouldn't completely stun me. And it just set up wonderfully for the Cats to get another home game playing some, you know generally unknown team from Tennessee. So, yeah. 
And then Parlay would shut the hell up. Um, what's Montana Jack 2006 wants to know, what's the proper etiquette when, on defense, you're standing and the folks behind you remain seated? A, do you do the hunch over move wherein you remain standing but in a Quasimodo fashion? B, turn in your man card and sit down like a lady would on a porcelain throne? Interesting. <laughs> okay. Or C, turn up the loud and cold and yell at them like you do to the kids, especially the middle child that was a mistake. <laughs> These are loaded questions. I'm actually, I, there's, like, there's... I like this guy. That was, that was funny. <laughs> there's a lot of anger in those yeah. replies. There's um, subtext for Well, sure. I sit in the front row of the North End Zone, so I do a lot of hunching down because I can. Yep. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. I'm in the front that's row. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> but if I was even in the second row, that's really not an option. Um, I try to be considerate of the people around me, but at some point, F it. Yeah, I, so I'm, I'm in row 14, so I've got, and I I sit on the west side with all the old people, so, um, I, I'm hoping my guy Lee isn't listening at this point, hour 45 in. I've met Lee, he's not old. Lee's not old, he's a good dude too, and you know what, Lee's usually up out on his feet before me, so I will stand... At most definitely all pivotal moments as needed. If there's a second and eight in the second quarter and some people around are standing, I'll do the hunch over. I'll 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 help out. Mm -hmm. But if it's if it's third down, if it's goal line, if it's big like that, I'm up. I'm up. I went to a game once though. I went to a cat game once with one of my buddies, Drew, and he's like, We're standing the whole game and I was like um. Yeah, that doesn't really happen over here. And he's just—he's like, "No, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna stand the whole game." And we stood for about five minutes, and people were like, "Could you sit down, please?" <laughs> it was a cat game too. Chris won the game at least, but yeah. Luke, I get really uncomfortable with conflict, so <laughs> I'm more of a sitter. But he's some, also very considerate of people's thoughts. Some guy yelled at us to sit down in the cat game. Oh, did he? Right behind us. And Mike told him to sober up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall this at yeah. all. <laughs> he was hammered. Remember that? He was like tripping up oh, the stairs. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to stand when the game calls for it. And if you can't handle that, then stay sitting behind me. I'll tell you what happened. There you go. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, be- beware the D. Says it seems like the top of the big sky. Weber, MSU, Sac State, and UM have not had any close games against each other. Why do you think that is? That's a good point. I really hadn't thought about that, but that's actually true. It's a fascinating question. Like none of the games between those teams were close. Weber destroyed Sac. Sac destroyed us. Sac destroyed Cats. Cats. Cats destroyed us. We destroyed Weber. Yeah. I think it's a chess match. And if you happen to have the right sequence of moves, you might as well drop the queen, you know, 15 moves earlier. Like, I, I think, like, when you have the team's calling card, like, on a particular day, you've got it. And they're good enough to where if you build a lead, you're not going to come back. Mm-hmm. I think it's a testament to how strong all these teams actually are. Like, we see them in this, like, 2019 vacuum, but... I think these teams are really good through the years. Like this Grizz team would have made noise last year throughout the conference. Same thing with all the seeds. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to come back against a good team. 
Yeah, I I think that there's also a little bit of a, you know, you get up so much to shoot your shot and you hit a game plan that worked and you caught them off guard and they just got them. Um, matchups. I, I, it's fascinating. You just you just think about that, that MSU game. Like, after we got down, we just weren't going to come back no. against that caliber of defense because it made us one-dimensional. All the, <laughs> but the crazy, like, all those wins were, like, big first half. And so, <laughs> Pod Dog is having a time and not stopping. Oh, no, okay, got him to stop. He heard me getting up. <laughs> uh, you should spill another beer. He growls at that. <laughs> but all these teams, which, like, even Montana and Sac statistically generally buck that trend, but all these teams are your more physical power teams that are ones that are designed to grind games out more and not really make a big charging comeback late. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, the Grizz, especially against the Cats, with our injury situation without a Cam and a clearly hobbled Snead, or not a team that was built for a comeback at that point. Maybe it's just the nature of our best teams or teams that are built to get leads and hold leads. <coughs> Excuse me, but uh, and then they get in these games where someone falls behind, and then they just they're just not built to do it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. which is interesting. Um. Moving on, Everett Grizz asks, on Thanksgiving, how many helpings of stuffing did James have, and was it more than Dad had glasses of wine? Oh. Um, James, much to my chagrin, wouldn't try the stuffing, which is good for him. missing out. Oh, stuffing it's bread. soggy bread, You dude. guys, no, no, no. The stuffing, stuffing tastes like barf. If, if you're eating so- stuffing that's soggy, who's ever making it is doing it wrong. First you're pulling all. it out Second of a of bird's no, butt. No, get the dressing. Make it on the side. You guys you, cook it with the eggs. You guys are terrible. Yeah, you're, this is so much worse than me picking against the Grizz in a playoff game when there's only you sixteen want? teams left. Those are those like Jack in the box take. You guys are anti-American. This is ridiculous. Stuffing. It's you bread. Put gravy on it, is, it. No, you guys are missing out. It you is the worst out. side of Thanksgiving. No, it, it, absolutely not. What's worse? How about anything? <laughs> stuffing is stuffing, mashed potatoes, turkey, gravy. Anything else is extra, not necessary. Uh, you know, there are people that put carrots in Jello at, on Thanksgiving. You really me, think that that is they better call it a than salad? Give me carrots and Jello. Here's the thing: Who the hell are you? Stuffing Mike, is the it's, worst. It's bread. No, stuffing is delicious. Guess what? I'll eat Jello all year round. Guess who doesn't eat stuffing all year round? If I had stuffing and gravy here right now, I'd be all over it. It's like, knock, knock. Who's there? Nobody, because you don't have any friends, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Stuffing's disgusting. Wow. You should have led me. Okay. You guys are terrible. (laughs) I mean, this is going to be the most talked about thing from this pod. Just wait. This will, this will be it. So James didn't eat stuffing, but how many glasses of wine did you have? Enough. Enough. <laughs> um, who's volunteering to host Sela at Reds on Friday night? So, uh, <laughs> token back to Stephen of Austin being at Reds nice. the night before. I hear Chris Lynn might be available. Um, 
How many of you are in your fantasy football league playoffs? Well, Luke just knocked me out tonight. Ow. So I'm in. Brent, in his first year in the one the league that Luke three had been seed. in for a while, got the three seed. I think. Luke, did you yeah. make the playoffs? I did. Yeah, Luke, I, I, Luke made the playoffs I'm too. unsure what seed I am. I'm lower than Brent. But Maybe we're going to play next week. I'm mean. I'm mean. I'm you you beat me three. once before, right? Didn't you beat me before? Mm-hmm. I, in neither of my leagues did I make the playoffs this year. I had a really bad fantasy football year. So, Luke, you were sitting on the sixth seed right now, so we would play next week. I think I'm moving up, maybe. I like it. Um, what yes, surprise sorry, player could have a huge game against Sela? <sighs> That's a great question. Jerry Louis McGee. Is he a surprise player? Absolutely. Well, I mean, he's been super quiet for a month. Super quiet. I think we're going to need him. I think it's Malik Flowers. Mm. I think as a returner or as a wide receiver? I think as a wide receiver. They want to surprise one. I can't say anybody who actually regularly is taking regular snaps. I think they're going to use him to stretch the field because that's we're missing with the cam is that other person to stretch it deep. They've been saving him. Would you consider <laughs> long con? Yeah, I have oh. no basis for Malik's, this statement. Malik's burning everybody in practice squad. They're like, just you wait, just, just you wait, wait for, wait, you, just you wait for Sila. Would <laughs> let's pretend this is hypothetical because we don't know. Dalton Sneed is a hundy now. He's back, and he's running, and he is running like Forrest Gump style running. Um, <laughs> Would that can would that qualify as a surprise? Hell yes, it would. He hasn't run since he went out with his injury in Sac State. Man, I'm I mean, a, I'm run a, like designed run like QB draw, QB keep that that pitch and keep that thing. fake pitch yeah. thing. Yeah, I'm hoping it's Dalton's <clears throat> legs. I'm hoping Dalton's legs get this award. I like surprise it. player. Hey, I like it. I like it. I'm. I'm. I kind of wonder about Mitch Roberts because I, I Mitch Roberts is not an over the top burner. See, um, I want to say Mitch Roberts, but I thought you guys wouldn't say that that was a surprise enough because he started a wide receiver the last two games. But I think, especially when you get into playoff situations, like like we've seen this, we've used Tremaine Johnson as example. Twenty eleven, no one threw a true side of the field. We get to the playoffs, people threw a true. He picked off two or three passes in two or three games. Um, I'm going to guess that, I mean, I don't know what Sammy Akem's situation is. You see a lot of things. He hasn't played since the Idaho game that I don't think, I don't think Sela is going to take Mitch Roberts serious as, as a threat of sorts. And I feel like he also had an up down cat game. And I'm going to guess he's the kind of kid that's going to do something where he's going to want to have a big bounce back. And I so like that. I, I feel like, that. like, I feel like he could be a guy on the other side too. I, I kind of also feel like it might be a game where Nick Osmo might have I was, a great, yep. great game because <clears throat> they have aggressive ends. And so I feel like the Grizz run game is going to be more to attack that middle and Knights. Knight's good. We know Knight's good. But I think Osmo is that guy that's that kind of smash, smash guy in the middle. And I'm kind of bounced between the two as guys that could break out in that game. Just have, like, big, bigger games than we would definitely expect. Yeah, in, in the running backs, it's it's if it's a running back, it's your candidates are Osmo <laughs> yeah. and Turner, really, right? Right. <laughs> 
Because it can't be night. I mean, that's not a surprise. He doesn't, doesn't count. At, at yeah. wide receiver, Mitch Roberts. Jerry's been quiet. Yeah. They've been playing Keelan White. I was going to say, does he have another game to play? Because if he has another game to play, it could be him. It could be him. Could be. I suppose he's a true freshman from Canada. Um, he had a catch, I think, in the Weber game. Um, or maybe it was the Idaho game. Can't remember. Ooh. I can give you another one on the other side of the ball. Yeah. This is a this is a guess, and I'm tipping off a Twitter question here, so maybe I shouldn't be doing this, but what about Nash Fouch? Yeah. So Nash had to play three quarters of the cat game, and I think there's a lot of discussion or opinions that in terms of pass defense, he's one of our better safeties. And this is going to be a team that's going to spread this ball around a lot. You would think number four will be on the field much more. We don't know Robertson's status. Mm-hmm. And if that could be, this could be the kind of game where someone like Nash, who leads the safeties and interceptions with two, uh, could be a guy that definitely has a, has a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, moving on. Grizz2K wants to know, will Egris get rid of the effing ads in the middle of people's posts? Ugh. We're right there with you. We we don't control Egris, so I have no answer for that. But boy, is it annoying. Well, look, Egris doesn't have a lot of sponsorship on it otherwise, so I'm going to say probably not. <laughs> and that feels like that's not something that's controlled by Egris. That's controlled by Google AdWords. Google or Ad yeah. and whoever the 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 software for this this message board platform. <laughs> um, CDA Grizz wants to oh, know. No. <laughs> hypothetically, hypothetically. If, if you had to play in a corporate scramble today and then had to stay for the auction banquet because potential clients are here, in quotation marks, and just got home, how pissed would you be if you missed the opportunity to think of a good question for Grizz Fan Pod? <laughs> Edit. <laughs> would it Boy. change things at all if you were paired with a 73-year-old lady who literally couldn't hit it over 80 yards but was a total <laughs> sweetheart who smoked three three cigars during the round? Whoa! <laughs> Cortland, I think you had a good day is just what I'm going to go with. Yes, you had a great day. <laughs> lady... What an interesting she, lady. She smoked three cigars. She's living her life. Man, I would I would have just I wouldn't even put a question in. I would have just stayed in house. <laughs> how old, how old was the lady? Seventy three. Seventy three? Shit. You're on house money at seventy three. Oh, yeah. Did you guys see Emma Lamison died? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I was gonna bring that up. Yep. Oh I mean hundred and seven years old, the oldest living current yeah. alum yeah. of the University of Montana. And a sweet lady. Yeah. I don't think I ever met her. Did you guys? I mean, I'm sure yeah. you two did. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, it it helped that she was such a nice lady, but she was definitely the person that when she was on campus, you had to go. Departments made a point of going and like. Oh, sure. Saying hello and, you know. 107. Yeah. yeah. At what age would you guys consider yourselves immortal? Like when you hit 100, you're like, well, all my friends are dead. My family's dead and I'm still kicking. You hit like 105 and you're like, well, <laughs> maybe I'm going to live forever. At 100, I'm swearing on the first hour of Grizz Pod. Oh. 
Wow. That's, all, that's a lot of Grizz Fan Pod episodes between now and then. Year will that be? I was going to say. That will be 60 years from now. Our fan, <laughs> our fan base might not be around. Um, <laughs> be like, okay, Xer. Um, CDA Grizz, to the other part of your question, honestly, I have been to those events that last all day, and then you have to stay for the evening, so I feel oh, your pain on that part. Yes, yes, indeed. A um, couple other questions from our buddy Mikey Moe, and then we'll move on to the Twitter questions. Um, which Sela QB poses the biggest, the bigger threat? I think we talked about this. Number nine, absolutely. Virgil. Yeah. Virgil. Um, biggest surprise of the first round of the playoffs. I guess I'm not going to go with surprise, but disappointment. The average attendance across the eight games was less than 4,000. 3,500. 3,500. It just, that just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I echo that. I, th- I think in terms of game surprise, I thought Wofford. Uh, and, and and both Wofford and Furman, you always tend to think bigger conference is just going to play better, and neither of them did. So, yeah. Nothing. All right. Um, and then last but not least, am I the only one who thinks Monmouth will give JMU a hell of a game? No. I think all three of us think that. Yeah, yep. I think they will. And honestly, if JMU – completely stomps Monmouth, then it's time to probably stop the JMU's overrated. They haven't played anybody, and they just don't know. I mean, I don't think Monmouth is some world-beater team, but they're they're a good team. And if JMU crushes them 55-10, to 10, then it's like, all that right. That Monmouth team has a winning record in the Big Site Conference this year. Yeah, they, they do, don't they? They may not make the playoffs, but I think they definitely have a winning record in the Big Site Conference oh, yeah. this year. Oh, yeah. Especially if they pull a draw like the Cats had. <laughs> Worked out for the cats. <laughs> nothing, nothing against the cats. Yeah. But they... <laughs> All right. Is that Egris? That's Egris. That's Egris. Okay, so we had some Twitter questions, too. So we'll start with uh, Brian Marceau, one of our Tubs in the Clubs guy, who, by the way, Tubs in the Clubs, club, not clubs, just club singular. <laughs> we got one club. It's one club <laughs> in Moscow. Asks us, oh, so I was saying, they have released T-shirts. And so they now have T-shirts, and they have one with the Tubs in the Club logo, hashtag haters going to hate, and I'm going to order one tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. (laughs) I need me a haters going to hate T-shirt. Okay, uh, so Brian Marceau asks us, how do you equate FCS playoffs to FBS bowl games? Is the first round without a buy like going in seven and five and landing in a lower tier bowl? Example, the potato bowl. What level of bowl would you equate a buy and a round two win? Well, it's tough because aren't there like 70 bowl games? So, oh, yeah. I, you know, there are more bowl games than there are FCS playoff games. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like the bottom tier bowls, like the potato bowl, don't make the cut for the FCS playoffs. Yeah. That being said, I mean, if you really had to equate it, it's like I think the first round is the holiday, like the the Christmas to New Year's bowls that people are paying attention to kind of that are on when you're randomly home on a Thursday in the middle of the day. Like, I mean, no, you know, one, no one's making money on these games. Yeah, but the, but the there's a new bowl. But it's like bowls. people are watching them because they're home with their family and there's nothing else to do. And they don't want to pay attention to their family. Yeah. Then the round, <laughs> the round of 16 are, in my opinion, the kind of day before New Year's, 
the Friday night, Saturday Friday night, night bowl Saturday, games, you know, yeah. those type of bowl games. Holiday bowl. It's like leading up to the big events, but no. not quite there. Yeah. The the round of eight, in my opinion, is New Year's Day. New Year's Day. Because it's like those are that's four games. It's the Citrus Bowl. It's, you know, there you go. And then the, no. after that, New it's, Year's Day. After that, it's the playoffs. Fiesta Bowl. So. That's not on New Year's Day, is it? Yeah. New Year's Day, Rose Bowl, yeah. Fiesta Bowl, yeah. Orange Bowl, Sugar no. Bowl. Yes. Yeah. No. The round it's of eight. the Citrus Bowl. Man, I, I just can't believe that Brent has paired up with Luke to pick on me so many times when Luke no. clearly is terrible <laughs> at some of this stuff. Where, hold Call on. him out, Brent. Let's Call see. him out. I'm going to look at the bowl schedule. It's just the Citrus Bowl on New Year's Day. The Citrus Bowl is not the only bowl game on New Year's Day. It is you. You like open with the Rose Bowl, and then you go to like the Sugar Bowl, January. and then I think Orange Bowl, and don't you close with the Fiesta? Yeah, the round of sixteen. Oh no, like, they break them up a little. Well, they break them up now. because if the bowl, oh, Rose Bowls, if, yeah, it, the Rose only Bowls, New Year's Day, always. yeah, All State Sugar Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Citrus Bowl. Those are the only three games. Outback Bowl, Holiday Bowl. No holidays. Are so early. it's like the Outback round of sixteen, bowl. in my opinion, is like the Cotton Bowl. So yeah, a lot of people go. Yep. You're gonna get good. Yeah, there's something called the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Yeah, it used to just be the Gator Bowl. That was kind of that was one that was the it, Birmingham Bowl. Get those sponsors. Oh, God, that's these bowls suck. Is there a Berkshire Hathaway Bowl? I doubt. I it. know there's not a Windermere Bowl, but that'd be fun. Let's look into it. The only the only thing sports related that I know that Berkshire Hathaway corporate does. Not the real estate entity, but like we're talking like Warren Buffett, Berkshire yeah, yeah, yeah. Hathaway. Yeah. Is they do a giant um, uh, March Madness. Oh. And if you pick, it, he will give you X thousands of dollars if you get a perfect bracket. Sweet. <sighs> well, that's easy. All right. Okay. No one's done it yet. Three years in. Okay. Well, thanks for the question, Brian. And uh, Tubs of the Club, get some t shirts. MD Grizz fan asks us. How much has the loss of Sammy Akem impacted the Grizz offense? I know we're deep at wide receiver, but that guy was another level. Missed him greatly. He, His opinion is that Sammy was missed greatly against the Cats. I'll be honest. like Sammy Akem not being here changes the offense so much in my mind right now that that's why I picked against the Grizz this weekend. And I actually think – I sit here and I think about it. They're going to overcome it, you know, and they're going to get there. But I really think it's that big of a deal. Like, it changed their offense, not having that other option to go out like that. He was the first look. Yeah. Of every – he was read one on every pass play. hmm And I think that – you think about Mitch Roberts has a very good Grizz career in front of him. He yep. has a High very season. good receiver. But Mitch Roberts is not a height and – just an overall mismatch that Sammy Akim is. And so it's it's something where Mitch brings different things to the game, but there was a there was a throw that was off Mitch's fingertips in the cat game that Sammy would have caught and scored a touchdown on. Although Sammy's so, dropped a couple touchdowns. He has. That, so. That's very true. Um, that's fair. But, but so, I will, because I, I agree with your take completely. Changed, yeah. I do think that, that Mitch is is, in my mind, 
the guy, if we need a receiver to step up and make a Montana play in the playoffs, yes, you feel like he's going to be the guy to do it. And that was like he had like he seems to have that moxie too. He had some amazing catches in the Weber game. Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll see. That's the but thing. It's huge, like, huge deal in my opinion. Yeah. Changed the offense completely, not completely, but really changed it. Dramatic change. Yeah, that offense. paired with Sneed being not one hundred percent. I think you just made it so you couldn't go man to man in the secondary against the Grizz. Yep. Yep. And he he could do it all. He could go deep. He could do little button button routes in, mm-hmm. in the zone. All it. right. Adam Clinch, I, I Adam, I apologize because that was with your breakout player. He asked us about Nash Fouch and how important he will be in this game. I think we've kind of touched on that. I'll be disappointed if he doesn't play a lot. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Taylor Callenberg fellow Packer fan asks what is your favorite Christmas movie and or Christmas tradition his favorite is White Christmas mine's Die Hard I'm just kidding (laughs) Um, (laughs) honestly I really enjoy Home Alone yeah because it reminds me of when I was a kid and that was that movie had just come out and when you're a kid, Christmas is so magical and it can't be topped, you know, that it just, it's the nostalgia part to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of good Christmas movies. What about tradition? Uh, you know, Mike's Jewish. <laughs> what is your favorite? <laughs> I am not Jewish. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> oh, what about boy. you, Luke? Um, I I like Elf. I'm not a huge Christmas movie fan. I think there are like Elf's a good. It's one. almost an unwatchable genre. Um, mm. Like what are you gonna say? Miracle on whatever thirty fourth, ninety seventh Street. I will tell like, you, it sucks. Like <laughs> I don't like that movie with Ralphie. <laughs> oh, because it's so overplayed. A Christmas story. Right? Yeah, my Christmas sister story. loves it. I hate the leg lamp veneration. Like, yeah, it's so. I can't watch it. Um, Luke hates it because the leg lamp objectifies women. Yeah, definitely. He's been saying it as so, long as I've known him. Mike, Mike obviously hates Bobby Howe. Luke, why do you hate Christmas? <sighs> Interesting segue. Maybe because... <laughs> maybe because it never made sense to me why <laughs> Santa gave poor kids worse gifts. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> It always made me feel bad. Luke is pointing out the flaws in our society. I actually am really uncomfortable with gifts. Gifts make me really uncomfortable. I don't like getting them. Mm -hmm. I don't mind giving gifts, but honestly, like... I tell my parents, you know, people close to me, don't get me a gift. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't like getting a gift just because it was the time to get a gift. It's like if somebody has something that's like, oh, this would mean a lot to Mike. I love it because it means something, but it's like... You know, Stacy will ask me every year, like, what do you want? And it's like, literally nothing. Like, I would rather, and this is really romantic, but it's like, I would rather if we go out and buy a new mattress and say we're not getting each other Christmas gifts because we got something that we needed than get Christmas gifts I don't want. I love being with family. I love, like, gathering and eating food. But, you know, as far as, like, holiday traditions, that's probably just gathering with family. Yeah. Holiday movies. I don't know. There's... A billion better movies and TV shows out there than anything the holiday genre has produced. Yeah. It's interesting. I used to really, really like Midnight Mass on Christmas Eve, but 
as we've had kids and both our families live in the same town. So it's like, we've just got so many responsibilities around the holidays. Yeah. It's just like some of the stuff just doesn't fit in, but I just, I love all the stuff we do with our families and, and, um, that's fun. Stacy is going to listen to this and be, so I'm remiss if I don't point out, um, my favorite tradition, and it started before Halloween, is Hallmark Christmas. Oh, um, you turn those on, guaranteed happiness. Oh. Always works out in the end. Mindless. You can do your work. <laughs> um, if you're really manly, not for you, but you know, whatever. Yeah, that's fair. Shogs the match, Mike. Just googling that. <laughs> <laughs> A Hanukkah greeting. Oh, <laughs> oh, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's getting uncomfortable. Uh, okay, uh, for National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I like that a lot. I watched that. Shitters full. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great movie. Um, it was funny because the one of the funniest memories I have from watching this movie though is. My wife's side of the family um, does not watch a lot of explicit movies by choice. Okay. And so a lot of their movie-going experiences in many cases are what comes up on USA or TNT or, or whatever. And so one December, her, her dad's like, hey, we got Christmas vacation. We, we got the DVD. Let's watch it. And it was just like a random <laughs> random evening. We were all over for dinner. And of course, you know, PG I think the movie's rated PG. Mm-hmm. Of course, PG in the eighties. Like PG in the eighties had nudity, right? <laughs> <laughs> like PG in the eighties is a little different than PG we're in twenty about the good old days. <laughs> yeah, the good old days. <laughs> you want to make America great again. Anyways, oh, no. God. Um so it was it was kind of one of those you get those there's like those memes like when you're like watching a movie with your parents and like there's like a like a like a sex scene or, or like a, a a romantic scene in the movie and you're just like oh my god well this with my wife's family it was it was definitely the like the oh. amount of like it's not a super explicit movie by by any means of what you see nowadays but it was just kind of funny because like we we're going through it and it's like. It's just that moment. Yeah, it's like all these things, and and you know, yeah, there's super uncomfortable. You know, it was tis the season to be merry. Well, that's my name. No shit. And I was just like, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but <laughs> I just love envisioning Brent be uncomfortable with his in laws. <laughs> they still have it, and they still watch it. But it was just kind of one of those things. And I think afterwards, you're like, boy, they they swear a lot in that movie. It's like, well, yeah, they do. I take it that a lot of your in laws don't listen to our podcast. I assume not. Well, they might now, now that we're swearing way less. So. Way less. We, we're way doing less. all right today. Hey, yeah. Uh, uh, tradition, the one the one kind of fun thing I always do with my side of the family, Christmas Eve we do uh, sparkling wine and fondue. Like we just randomly started doing fondue at one point, and it mm-hmm. just kind of turned into a Christmas Eve thing. So it's fun. I like it. What's that look for? Just wondering if Mike does stuffing at Christmas. <laughs> See... We're opening it's a whole new thing because so good. I am Christmas really stuffing? bothered by people doing turkeys at Christmas because turkeys is a Thanksgiving thing. I want something else at Christmas. Oh, it's prime rib. It's prime rib or nothing. 
Luke is like Googling and he's going to come up with some stat that half of America eats a turkey on <laughs> Christmas. That's great. They can do that. That's not the point. Um, Mike mm. likes latkes. I'm going to need to bring a friend next week to understand some of what you're talking about. Uh, interesting Twitter question that just popped in. It's just an egg, and it's uh, Grizz1635286 saying, Mike, why do you like wet bread so much? <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys created a fake account in real time. I like it. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. So John Thomas, JT, asks us, um, which Grizz player does the best Chewbacca impersonation? Luke, you can go first on this. One. <laughs> I don't even know. I just it's think be OD. <laughs> <laughs> hey, OD likes tweets by the pod, so I think yeah, I'll. I'll, I'll <laughs> I'm just trying to think like which Grizz player like has like has like long hair and I don't know. I I just I just imagine like I the oh, I'm gonna edit my comment here. All right, never mind. Yeah, move on. Moving on. <laughs> Mike, any comments? But, okay, so JT actually asked a second question, and then uh, our guy Clixby, uh, GrizzFan24, actually gives a response. So <laughs> I'm going to ask, uh, read JT's second part of the question, then Clixby's reply. Do we expect any major defensive adjustments for the Grizz against Southeast Louisiana? Maybe some three high safety looks to limit the passing attack. So Clixby replies and says, as much, as, as much drop back as Southeast Louisiana does – You'll see more true two high safeties. I'd anticipate a coverage strategy similar to the UC Davis game. The concern is how much pressure you can get out of a two high four shell concept. Clixby himself does not like the three three five, which is what we've tr- mostly used for generating pressure out of a two high cover two look. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of thirty front this look. <laughs> Uh, this is his opinion, and then he uh, claims that he is then returning to watch a youth soccer practice. So, yeah. Mike, what's your opinions on a 30 front and a 2 deep high shell coverage? Do it. Do it. Clixby said exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Took it, it's it's so right weird. out of my mouth. It is so weird. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't. Here's the thing: is I don't think you can overcompensate for the pass too much because they've got a great running back and a mobile QB. So I think that they they need to make some adjustments, but they need to focus on figuring out what works in the defense. They understand how to run. Yeah, like like Clixby mentioned, the key is can you get pressure on the quarterback with your front four? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're if you can't, then you might have to switch things up get a little more complicated but yeah i think it's harder to disguise your pressure with the with the other looks with the three-man front fair so uh the other thing the grizz fan pod was i guess not tagged in the original post but got tagged in a reply that the big sky deputy dan satter will be Mm -hmm. in town for the game i had dinner with in bozeman last week oh you had dinner with dan all right cool so uh he was asking where a good place to go to eat is and then eagle nation athletics said he is hashtag ftg for life but told him he needs to go to red's bar before a game john casper then hopped in and said um 
Well, he didn't give him a recommendation. He just said Reds has some cool stuff. Oh, wait, no, no. He said you got to get to the depot deck and uh, have some shrimp wontons. So we retreated this tonight. You should definitely give this guy advice on Missoula. It's the first time there. He was a really interesting guy to talk to a couple weeks ago in Bozeman. I want him to see that Missoula is a better uh, better college environment than Bozeman. So uh, get going. I tweeted at him and invited him to both of our tailgates. I'll be at mine. Okay. I don't know about you, Mike. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'll probably be at Brent's too. Uh, Mike, last question we have from uh, Mr. Titleist is um, how how off-put were we by Peloton's new Christmas ad? I don't understand why people need to overanalyze and push their narratives onto people. Can't it just be a happy couple that she wanted the Peloton so he got it for her? Why does it have to be more than that? I don't know. I don't know. Luke, what are your thoughts? Luke, are you going to get your girlfriend a Peloton for Christmas? She would love a Peloton for Christmas. (laughs) See, this is the big online debate today. It's like this ad is like this husband gets what appears to be an already perfectly, you know, in shape wife, a Peloton, and she goes on a year long journey and vlogs it for him and shares the video of her journey of losing four pounds over the course of a year. And so people, people are like, dude, like. You're telling your wife she's out of shape and you bought her a Peloton? I mean, it just opened up all these things that drive me nuts. It's like, don't, like, <laughs> I get that there's a lot of unhealthiness in relationships, but I don't think we should just jump to a point where it's like, we should assume that this fictional couple on the Peloton, I mean, she seemed genuinely happy. No, she was scared. In her, in her <laughs> vlog. So, no, nah, like, yeah, I have a girlfriend who would love it. She bikes me under the table. She's fit as hell. She's in shape. Like, she- I, I honestly hope that Stacy stopped listening by this point because I am not spending Peloton money on. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, that thing is expensive. <laughs> but it sounds cool as hell. I've got a buddy who's who bought one and loves. Oh it. yeah, I got a buddy who's got one too. That's all he does. Yeah. yeah, I mean, good for Peloton. I, yeah, I think yeah. it's a fine commercial. And four pounds over a year isn't much. It, it, they don't actually say that. That's like the, that's oh. the joke. Because she was yeah. skinny to start with. Oh, okay. Just another thing here where we're shaming. Skinny shaming. Mike. I, I just sometimes. Oh my, why do you hate skinny Sometimes people, the wokeness of Twitter <laughs> is ridiculous. <laughs> well, it can't we be. should move on. Or actually, I'm gonna but you, my you can find. I'm, I'm looking at the <laughs> ad just kind of briefly. This woman might put on weight if she Peloton. Yeah, that's true. She might gain she some muscle. muscle mass. Tone it up. Yep. I, I would say I think I there there's a point of like the wokeness of Twitter that gets obnoxious, but then there's also just like a little bit of the comedy side that can mm-hmm. kind of be funny. And there was uh Mr. Titleist tweeted back with someone that already did like a like a a imitation video. So there there moments <laughs> of laughs. And you know what, honestly, yep. I like Everyone's it. talking about Peloton. Yeah, again no, they, they achieved so exactly like, what they wanted. So they and I do think like, the comedy is funny. I think the people who are taking yeah. it too seriously just. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. The actual people are like, we need to protest and blah, blah, yeah. It's like, yeah, no, no, you, no, you don't. Yeah, so. Nice. That's our questions. That's our Twitter questions. All right, guys. Anything else you want to talk about this week? <sighs> I'm trying to think anything comes to mind. No? I'm good. I'm good over here. Should be fun. Fun game this week. I am I'm so excited. This this playoff game, this is a meaningful one. This is not the San Diego game in twenty fifteen. No, this is a real playoff game. This is this is a real deal. And it's 
you know, Coastal Carolina was the game before that. I if I if I remember correctly, well, what do we have in fourteen? Get your butts in the seats. But but it's like, but I mean, honestly, like, it's gonna be a great day for a fun game. Get there, come support the team. It might be the last time you get to see, especially some some very and probably the best linebacker we've ever had, and a, and a lot of other seniors that have really been through quite the storm. Some were recruited by Vic Delaney, played under Bob Stitt, and then played for Bobby Houck. I mean, mm-hmm. some guys mm-hmm. that have been through quite the ride, and they definitely deserve a packed house. I like it. All right. If that's it, if you know us, talk to us sooner. Come by our tailgates. If not, we'll see you next week. Go Grizz. Fight, Fight on. on.